Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Running Motorsport Magazine Show. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome along. We're a bit early, uh, which apparently is trendy. Uh, we've gone back to the future, have we, this evening? Yes, we've, we've, we've gone at 88 miles an hour, mainly powered by your chilli, uh, and we've now gone back in time three minutes, or forward in time three minutes, one or two. Uh, one minute. Uh, it's, it's one minute to eight. Does that mean we've gone forward or back? I am genuinely confused about that. Really, (laughs) but never mind. (laughs) Marty McFly and the Dot would never have got anywhere without Scott. Without sympathising their watches. Sympathising? Oh, my poor watch. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Sorry, that's a family joke. Um, My Casio, which is never wrong because it's it's thingy and the. The clock, which is atomic powered it's in the studio, thingy, yeah. is says now it's still only it's got 19. Debbie Harry in it. 59. I got 58 on my phone, which is linked to the net. Oh, 59 now, yeah, which is yes, linked to the phone net. Exactly. So, shall we just talk about? But it's quite good though. We're having a discussion of time on Back to the Future Day. Yeah. It's just yeah. what on earth time it is and why. There's no such thing as time, of course. That's no, just a construct. Exactly. That's very true. Yes. So we didn't go back to the future or forward. We just did. We yep. did it here and now. Yeah. Well, that's the most important thing. Time, like money, is just a construct that was... As we've not officially started, can I say how much I like your jacket? Yeah, you do. Because you've, got the, well on you've got the proper one, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Time, like money, is just a construct made by the ruling classes to subjugate the workers. Is it? Of course it is. That's like a religion, then, isn't it? Obviously. <laughs> so, when will we live? Uh, we are we're live. live in, no, we're live about 30 seconds, actually. Oh, OK, fine, that's good. <laughs> just talk amongst yourselves. Uh, the, uh, We've got all John, the usual features on tonight's show. They how know. can you tell? How no, do you know? You don't know. You don't know we that. It doesn't exist. Are you looking forward them up. into time? How are you doing that? Are you looking into the future, that? <laughs> Have well, you been already we're talking into the second half of this show? about uh, travel through time. <laughs> yes, yes, we've wasted some. Uh, next Monday <laughs> is a very <laughs> special anniversary. Is it really? It is. I thought next Wednesday's special anniversary. Next Wednesday that's might be a different special anniversary, but next Monday is a special anniversary. That's pretty impressive that you got the you timed the the you back timed the <laughs> Back to the Future theme to end at the time that we should really should have gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. It's never, it's never accidental with Tim. No, never, never nonchalant. Aye. Um, Just like Bernie. Again. But what? What? Twenty sixth of October is what? What? When? It is the date that we did uh, Midweek Met- Motorsport Episode 1 of Series 1 is it in really? uh, 2000. I think that's Bernie, uh, Bernie Eccleston's birthday, isn't it? Oh, no, Bernie Eccleston and, and I share a birthday, so his birthday is the 28th. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I don't think, as far as, to, to my memory, actually, the show did start by episode nine when I joined. Mm. <laughs> yes. Uh, remember, do you remember Declan's betting tips? They were great. We do. And we'll be digging some of them out, I'm sure. <laughs> we may. <laughs> mm. uh, because, um, obviously, on Monday, yep. uh, well, for the last six weeks or so, we've been inviting you to suggest yes. your best bits. And yes. on Monday, we're doing our best bit show. Are we? We are. Excellent. Are we? Do we have to be involved, or is that you putting stuff together and just and just playing them out in a sort of Morbius loop what I love of is, gorgeousness? Is neither of us had any idea about this. That's brilliant. I've uh, I've, I've been putting it together for uh, for a while, and uh, just need a few be like more suggestions. The, all right, is it going to be like one of those? Best of the year shows, where somebody who's who you know, you, or somebody who's sort of involved in the show just comes on and voices over bits and says, <laughs> and then in May this happened. It'll be just like that, yeah. Excellent. The most memorable part for me is is when I won a watch. By the way, everyone, no, I understand. <laughs> that hasn't been suggested by anyone yet. The watch winning has it not? No. My, I think my favourite part ever was you on the top of a double-decker bus in London. That was good, wasn't it? That was one of our specials, though. Was oh, no, it was a midweek motorsport, though. It was a midweek motorsport. Mm. I was in the studio, you were on a double-decker bus. You had been on the bus earlier, though. No. Yes. I'm sure. I I'm sure. No, 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 no. I no. was studio burned. You, sure. you never made it to the bus? No, I, never, I don't think so. I know I'm getting old and senile, but I think I would remember that. That was... What was that? That was the launch of A1GP. A1GP, that's right. So I was up on the top deck. Wow, when was that? (laughs) About 2005. Uh, I was on the top deck and I had with me uh, Robbie Kerr Mm -hmm. and um, Christian Jones, who's Alan Jones' son. Mm -hmm. um, uh, So you were doing a bit of Natalie Pinkham, were you? That needs to go go in. If you can dig that out, some of that needs to go in. We'll, uh, we'll see what we can find. It was a route master, I seem to remember. It was. It's quite yes. a rattly one. I think it was RML246, actually, if I'm not... Ah. Uh... You got my, uh, you dig up my interview with uh, Sebastian Vettel before he was famous. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Good evening. It's Series 10, Episode 41. Uh, no apologies for absence uh, from quite a lot of you tonight who seem to have made a big effort, including Shea Adam, who had to tow her mum several miles after her mum's chain broke. Well, not her mum's chain broke. The bike on which her mum arrived chains broke, but Shea's on her way back home again. I think it's the push bike. I, I presume mm. so, yes. Simon Hoff says, uh, I've come from 1985 to listen and get race results so I can make my fortune. There'll be a lot of that tonight, I'm sure. Um, back for the right time, says Right Turn Lover. Uh, we'll listen in and will not apologise. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. I refuse to apologise. Meeting Doc Brown at Twin Pines Mile for an undisclosed prototype shakedown, says Standing Yellow. Uh, Johnny Palmer will be there uh, as well this evening. Pete Newton says, um, no apologies for absence. I've got nothing funny or sarcastic this week. Red Bull must be behaving for a change, which I thought was very good. Neil Gardner says, could be absence or attendance. Depends if I can find my DeLorean. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, I'm out training for a charity 10K, says Matt Hunter. It could be some time. Right, fine. Uh, Captain Zero says uh, he's busy designing the new G-Drive prototype. Picture enclosed. Very funny. 
works on the radio. And hello to Sarah Brigby, who's not working this evening, so is indeed listening live. And Chris Bell says, no apologies required tonight. Internet finally back on in the new house. Beer's ready. Just Where's ours? Where's our beer? Come on, Chris. Honestly. Good to know that after your trials and tribulations uh, with your abode, that everything is uh, back uh, running and going well. Uh, Chris Suku has made it in uh, on time. Was a bit worried because he was delayed earlier on. Uh, and James Ryder says, can you please start spreading the uh, Tidia TDS Corvette rumour on the shore? If it's in the press, it must be true. Uh, right. Okay, well, there we are. We've done that as well. Uh, and Thomas Pitt says, I'm currently killing time before a flight home from Philadelphia. Very limited internet. Might not be able to listen to all of it tonight. Uh, hopefully you're still listening now, uh, Thomas, to us. Uh, so on the show tonight, as Tim has already been at the second half of the show and come back, uh, will be all the usual features. Marshall Pro of Racer.com will be joining us later on and telling us lots of things. And I think he'll probably say, hello, Hindy. Or possibly me, evening, Hindy, before he comes on. He might say afternoon, Hindy. He might say afternoon, Hindy. Yeah, he might. He might say that. Uh, might. We've got Graham Goodwin of DailySportsCard.com. I predict he'll say it's not a shed if I give him the correct feed line. Mm. He'll also stop yeah. with evening all. He will, mm. absolutely. Uh, and, and he'll talk about sports cars as well. I think he almost certainly will. But we start this week's show with Nick Damon. Hello. But not with Formula One. No. Because this week, there is only one place to start. Yes. Something that will be never deleted from my DVR. Something that has gained a place in the pantheon of motor racing broadcasting. Something that I doubt will ever be bettered in my lifetime, or indeed beyond it, although I have not been in the future. Um, <laughs> as, in fact, of course, we all know that time travel is impossible and always will be. And how do we know that? Because otherwise we'd be inundated with tourists from the future. However, what we are talking about is Phillip Island MotoGP 28 laps of liquid gold motorsport. Mm-hmm. Anybody who doubts that the most competitive championship and the most exciting championship and the most um, unworldly uh, championship in some ways is uh, MotoGP. Otherworldly, uh, yes. Otherworldly needs a head examined. Oh. Um, because when it, where even the dull race in MotoGP, it's, it's exciting to watch. When you get... I, I was going to use the word absolute cracker, but it's underplaying it. Oh. Effectively, interesting. we had a conversation with Tim just before we started uh, about what we're going to do towards the end of the year with the Man of the Year show and those sorts of things. And I was thinking, well, you know, I, I already know, who, you know what I'm going to vote for as best race of the year. And if anyone votes against it, they must be insane because it was the best Grand Prix I've ever seen, the best race I've ever seen. And it was for the pre- and the amount of... Riding on it when you have you're just two races out from the World Championship being won potentially for the tenth time of Valentino Rossi at the age of 36, or for the third time I think was it fourth time by uh, Jorge, third time by Jorge Lorenzo, who's desperate to win it, and then we have Mark Marquez coming back on the form, and then we have from absolutely nowhere Andrea Iannone on the uh, Ducati, and the four of them. Well, I, mean, I have to most at one point Lorenzo had a lead of 1.1 seconds, John. Yes, which lasted a lap because he only had that lead because the other three have been tripping over each other and letting him get. Away. It was remarkable. Over 200 miles an hour down the straight 
uh, into the first corner. And then the southern loop was just pick a line, any line, because people are going to try and ride around you. It's Honda corner, which is the hairpin, the right-handed hairpin. Pretty much everybody, every lap changed his spot there. But then overtaken at the hair shed that I've not seen done before, mm-hmm. up the inside with particularly uh, with Rossi on the kerb, fully leaned over and powering through round the outside of Lukey Heights and then down the inside. There was one genius piece where um, it was uh, there was three of them battling and you know um, well, Ian only went, back, went past, went past both, both of them, them because yes. they were arguing that each other missed him. Uh, the, with the, on the last genius. lap, Jorge Lorenzo was leading by seven tenths of a second from. Uh, Mark Marquez and Valentino Rossi was slightly ahead of Andro Inanoni and they ended up with Marquez winning from Lorenzo from Inanoni from Rossi because they've been and, and in that last lap I think Rossi Inanoni had swapped about four times and a, it's quite remarkable overtake by uh, Marquez who made up three quarters of a second and got past Lorenzo on the last lap oh, completely mugged him and got down the road. And one of the great things was also, not only were they all riding brilliantly, the bikes were all making their speed at different parts, different of, the parts of the track. So I mean, the, the Ducati was ridiculously fast on the straight. The um, Whiskey Richards uh, says, agree, best race I've ever seen. He also says, just normally listen, I didn't realise that we took attendance on here. Oh, we do. Yeah, that's With the Yamahas making their, their time in the first half of the track, and then the second half of the track was a very good part for the, for the um, Honda, and everyone at the top of their game. And, of course, the end net result was Marquez got another win. Lorenzo gained a bit, but not enough. And he's still 11 points ahead with two races two to go. Two races to go. Including Malaysia, which I think is, I'm pretty sure it's this weekend in Malaysia. And then, and then Valencia. Valencia. And the key thing is that... The... I, want, I think I might want to go to Valencia. Do you fancy fun. a trip to Valencia? I've been to Valencia. It smelled of sewage. I've been to Valencia. I went to Valencia for the BMW launch all those years ago. Do you fancy going to Mortal GP at Valencia? I'd like to go to Mortal GP at Valencia, but I don't know if we're going free that weekend, that's all. I don't know which weekend it is. But I'd love to go, actually. Um, well, so I think we should cover it live. That I think it might either. clash with something we're already covering live. Do you think? Yeah. I don't think it does, I think Tim. it's three weeks' time, I think. It's the, I think uh, it's... the same weekend as uh, Race of Remembrance, isn't it? Oh, is it? Is it... Uh... Maybe not. No, no, it isn't. No. I don't think it is. Give me two no, it's the following weekend when we've got Super GT on. Well, I, I, th- I think yourself. it's a free. I think it's a free weekend for me because I don't think I'm in Bahrain yet, and so <laughs> I don't think I'm in Bahrain yet. Oh, we're, we're, hang on, the flux capacitor has <laughs> fallen over again. It is Malaysia this weekend. It yes. is definitely Malaysia this weekend, and then um, it is Valencia after that. Yes, but it's a question two... of whether it's a two-week or three-week gap. Hang on, I will just press the tick. Right Turn Lover <clears throat> says Rossi versus Stoner in Laguna and Rossi versus Lorenzo in Barcelona. Uh, pretty good as well. Rossi versus Stoner at Laguna was a good battle. Um, but it only involved nice two of them. End with two of them. The other one you could talk about is Rossi versus Gibino, where he destroyed a man's career Gibino. in one race. Yes, but, but I think what makes Philip Island, and, and if you haven't seen it, and I'm sorry if we've, if we've kind of... Spoiled it for you, but you still have to see it. Mm. And it is Wednesday, and you should have seen it by now. Because everyone's been talking about it for four days. It is literally, start to finish, the best race you've ever seen. Because there is hardly a corner, 
hardly, certainly not a whole lap, Nick, where something doesn't no. happen of significance. No, I, I, at one stage they tried to go and pick up the battle for six, seven, yeah, like and I upset eight, with them. And and you know, a nanosecond, a picosecond later, the director realised he had to get back to the. I there think, was no I way think he'd he missed a pass to the lead. Ashton going I think away. Two. <laughs> yes. Eighth uh, of November is the final race. Uh, in, so it does uh, clash with race of remembrance. Ah. Don't worry, you'll be somewhere warm and sunny instead. Anglesey. The two questions I have for you, Nick. Yes. Are if I'd like to take you back in time to yes. this summer. Let's go mm-hmm. back. We back in time. Uh, you said that uh, there was no point watching MotoGP because uh, the championship had been decided and no one else could win. No, I didn't. You said words to that effect. No, I did not. At no point did I say that. Mm. You got the wrong year. The mm. last year I said that because 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 um, Marquez run the first nine off a spin this year. It's never been mm. in the bag for anybody. You said Rossi would have to not finish a race for Marquez to close the gap. It's not Marquez. It's Lorenzo. Lorenzo, Lorenzo to close Lorenzo. the gap. No, no, that was not. That was no. I would never say that because that mathematically has never made any sense. It's still going to be a Yamaha title. Just Yamaha definitely won. Uh, they're definitely first and second. Um, there's only two races to go, which is 50 points. There's 11 gap. It's 25 for win, 20 for second. The fly in the ointment is, of course, that the next track in uh, Malaysia is very much known as a Honda track, which mm-hmm. means Marquez will probably win again, which means the gaps between second and third are not as great. So he actually... So Lorenzo well, it actually also depends needs Ross to get in. It also depends if Pedroza can get between them. Mm. Which it, depends which, which one turns up. Yes, there are there are the many faces of Danny Pedrosa, aren't there? He's a little man with a lot of personalities. Mm. But of course, the other thing is, everyone's saying that Valencia is absolutely a, a shoe-in for Lorenzo. Lorenzo is much better there than, than Rossi. The only downside of that, of course, is that we are getting quite late in the season. It rains say, even in, in Spain. I was going to say, it, it, the, the weather, it could snow there yet. And by the way, let's not count out the Ducati either, who've come back with mm. a, a vengeance in the second half of the season, the winged wonder. All four wings on the bike at the weekend. I don't think Valencia is a particularly good circuit for... No, I think they might have a chance at Malaysia, Valencia, yeah, they've got, they got the two long straights, so absolutely. But um, Valencia, no, that's a twisty-turny circuit. That's read a very interesting circuit. take on the wings on that bike to say that they're actually nothing to do with downforce and everything to do with shedding heat from the to, yeah. to create a... A uh, vortex to a, full, yeah. um, a low pressure area behind them to shed heat from that, the engine. I'm pretty sure. I mean, cause the thing to remember is that the problem about a, a, a wing on a motorcycle is a motorcycle is not a stable platform. I think about a, a Grand Prix car, the, one of the things that they're, they're constantly trying to manage is the pitch and the yaw of the car, the left and right, right and the up and down. But think about the very limited amount that goes up and down left and right. It's got four solid anchors, and the deflection Whereas is probably what, two inches. Do you reckon it's two inches either way if maximum, you're lucky, and if then you're lucky. front and back perhaps an inch and a half. Whereas Mark Marcos is going full sixty-three six, degrees, 63 <laughs> and the other side. <laughs> and when you put the power on, the thing leaps up in the air. And when you put the brakes on, it they've, they've got a lot of anti-dive on them. But so I don't think you've got a stable enough platform, you know. To actually do it, but absolutely, if you were actually looking at the designing the flow, so it, 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 that flow of the air around the, the the bike will stay the same regardless of the attitude of the air, because the air, remember, is actually three dimensional. Um, just for WEC, mentioned Suzuki as well, and in fairness, that's a fair point because the Suzukis were much better. And on a chilly day, they can make use of the extra soft tyre they've got options of going for. 
And they're I still having the with them being chilly. What, Valencia in November? Valencia in November. Yeah, okay, mate. yeah, it could be chilly. Malaysia will be <laughs> not hot. Malaysia. No, next wet. week is hot not and wet. Next week, this, well, this is where the Grand Prix used to be before they moved it the first couple. So but... you haven't even got the seamless gearbox yet. I know. They've got. You know, I know it's ridiculous having talked about the race at Phillip Island as being the best ever, 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 ever. TM. Ever. That that we're already looking forward to next year, but next year with something. I with some of the new bikes that's coming in next year, I, I do. I do feel that this is Rossi's last chance. Do you think he's 36, um, and you can't well, that's so see? Old. <laughs> it is a motorcycling. It is a you, motorcycle. You can't see Marquez dropping the ball like he did again. Um, you know, he had the, the. I've won it twice. They didn't quite have the hand on the front end, and he pushed too hard. I think he'll have learned from this year. Lorenzo's obviously absolutely at the top of his game. So whilst I'm sure that next year Rossi can get maybe sneak the odd win and get the podium, like I can't see him being able to put together a championship challenge because obviously it's, that it, was only the second time this season yeah. that Rossi hasn't been on the podium. Yeah, he's had a fifth and a fourth. But yeah, he is. He is. I think you know this is regardless of what happens again. This is cemented his 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 greatest of all time tag because. Whatever Tim, Tim, again, we've said about four times, 36 in motorcycle racing, modern motorcycle racing, is unbelievably old. The, it's like about 70 in car racing. It's, it, yeah, it is. It's, it's, you'd, be, you'd be back down to silver again if you're so old. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a truly remarkable performance. But, you know, age does catch up with you, and there are some very talented people out there. I was going to leave this till the end of the show, but we're talking bikes, so let's talk it now. Yes. World Superbikes at the mm-hmm. weekend and the final rounds of British Superbikes. Yes. British Superbike, well done to Josh Brooks and Milwaukee Yamaha. They've won the title. Well, you know what we do with the British Superbikes, don't you? Which is what? They have a race for the chase. Oh, the forget that. Um, the, the because interesting... it was all over on Saturday, really. It, w- it was. He won it on Saturday. Um, and, and, I, and I tuned into the last race and, and he, he fell, fell off, off four laps in. Yes. <laughs> um, that's a good performance because talk... that's the new R1s. That was Correct. new this year. Uh, that was a, uh, that's a bike that's not yet in World Superbikes. No, it will and be next year. It will be next year, and the big rumour is that Milwaukee will will with Josh Brooks, the happy Antipodean, be yeah. spreading their wings and heading into WSB. Talk about, talk about age. I don't realise that Josh Brooks. I think he's thirty-two. Yeah, yeah, he's it, been around. It, it, but uh, yeah, I mean, the World Superbikes is, is a strange enigma, and um, in that anyone who's followed bikes for a long time will know that there was a period during the 90s when it was a true alternative to MotoGP where MotoGP was two-stroke and we had the four-stroke uh, the big and the, and the Ducatis and the, um, the Hondas and, the, and you, know, you would get a real 110,000 people at Brands Hatch not a Silverstone 110,000 oh, by people. the way well done to Philip Island for saying 35,000 people or whatever it was there mm. because that's what it looked like yeah um, but you know we, we, not getting the politics now they, they have watered down world superbikes um in a number of ways. The worst thing they ever did, I mentioned before, what I mentioned again, is where they went on the controlled tyre, which took Correct. away the wild cards from each individual championship. We used to, they rock up at Donington, you'd have 25 full season entries, and then you have the top 10 of the British Superbikes because they could run an open tyre. Yep. Now, the British Superbike boys don't bother turning up because they aren't used to the Pirelli tyre, and a tyre is such an important part of the, the development of the bike. The other thing is that as road bikes have become far more sophisticated, and I think of your 1000RR, mm-hmm. BMW, my 16GT, all the fly-by-wire, etc. So the touring cars of superbike, of the bike world, are, you know, the, the more street mm-hmm. 
orientated bikes have become more complicated and therefore the electronics and the way the electronics are managed and the way certain parts of the bikes are managed has changed. Well, I think you'll find well. that it's pretty much when next year's regs come in, or I get confused about the regs, what year they're coming in, but effectively the bikes you see racing around in World Superbike will actually be less advanced than the road versions. They, they, they come off. Because um, they've taken off all the electronic aids, or most of them, and obviously they've got a bit of extra power. But just an interesting, when I when I first got into motorcycle and um, um, into the world superbikes, I had a Ducati Triple Eight mm-hmm. SP Four, which was the but you fantastic. wish you still had it. Yeah, I'd have made a fortune that. Yes. And that was the ultimate bike, and that had 110 horsepower, or 116 in power, even not really. Mm-hmm. And that was the best you could get in 1992, 1993. 116 horsepower, real horsepower. And obviously that was also, that was a bike I think that cost equivalent of about 25,000 pounds in today's money. Yeah. You can buy any bike. You can buy seven bikes now. They've got which are sports bikes. They've got 200 horsepower. Don't weigh anymore. I've got you know got ABS. They've got you know. Everything else. Yeah, it's no, it's absolutely true that you could beat that world superbike bike on a, with a road bike now. With probably with, with a three ro- quarter no, liter. Bike. Also with road tires. Yeah, probably with a three quarter liter bike. And or it's just, a and I know it, it, the advances have been uh, truly stellar. But to go back to what you were saying, there was a time before Dorna owned both of them, where World Superbikes and MotoGP just started yeah. to. Get almost a crossover, didn't they? They did, but not, never a crossover in riders. Which no. It's really strange. I mean, the greatest riders in in worlds. I mean, the only guys I can think of doing particularly well in both. John Kaczynski did, did, did yeah, won the World Super Bikes. Didn't win most. Won races in two-stroke 500 GP, not motor GP. Um, and I'm trying to think. Marco Melandri won races in mm. in motor GP. And, and obviously Max Biaggi didn't win the 500, but won the 250 championship and won uh, World Superbike. And the reason I say that is because um, Nicky Hayden comes back to, or comes to World Superbikes next year, unfortunately on a Honda, which is probably not the best bike for him to be and on. Not in the best of health, I don't think, anymore. No. Um, but in listening to that happening at the weekend, I went away and did some research and found that there has never been anyone uh, as far as, and if you think I'm wrong here, Collective, I'm prepared to be correct on this. I couldn't find anyone who's won a World Superbike Championship title, riders' title, and the top level, the bikes. top level it's of Max bikes. Max Biaggi with the 250 World Championship and the World Correct, but, the not, but not whatever the top was. So MotoGP or 500. No, or whatever and, it was. and there's less and less crossover now because they're, they're kind of becoming their Correct. own little. Um, Packages with Moto3, Moto2, and then GP, and obviously... Alan Prosser says Troy Bayless won a MotoGP race as well. He did? Yeah, yeah. there's a few people who won races. I mean, I think, you know... Colin Edwards. Did Colin Edwards... Yes, he did win. Yes, yes, he, he did. did. Yeah. yeah, so the winning of races, because, you know, if you look at the championship, it's been, you know, uh, the last X number of years, it's been Lorenzo, Marquez, Stoner, and um, Rossi. And that's mm. that takes you back 15 years now, 12, mm. 15 years. Mm. Uh, obviously, Hayden won one, didn't he? Mm. Um, uh, picking up of something odds. you said, John, obviously there yeah. was a point where Dorna owned uh, British Superbike. Yes. As well. Not yeah. anymore, it's, it's, of course. Jonathan Palmer won them now, hasn't he? He does, yes. Yeah. Dr. Palmer. I, I, I do think it's it was interesting that the new R1 was effectively developed and debuted in British Superbikes before it goes to World Superbikes next year. And maybe that's why... Milwaukee think that they've, well, if you, yeah. they've got a leg up. I think and Josh Brooks, if you look about it, I mean, World Superbike is is British dominated. I think the top four riders and a lot of the teams are all from the UK. Five, five riders, riders yeah. five was in the end. I wasn't quite sure to get fifth. And 
whereas obviously MotoGP, whilst there are British engineers in this, it's, it is still a, a continental Europe and uh, Japanese um, strength. Mm. But, but even though the, the Japanese bikes you see in World Superbikes have been completely developed by the UK garage easters, really. Although, as Sam Pierce has just pointed out, BSB runs different regs to World Superbikes. They mm. have to use the stock ECU. So no, tra- that's, that's what's happening to World Superbikes. Ah. But the tyres will remain different. Yes, yep. it's Pirelli's on superbikes yep. and or and not on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it the, the bike racing this year has been has been very good. I mean, I think you know it, it was a bit of a runaway victory for um, oh, well, superbike winner whose name has completely flew out of my head once I started. Well, the Kawasaki's have just yes. run away with it. Um, Johnny Ray. Johnny Ray, thank you. Poor old Johnny Ray. Um, and he, but the individual races. Well, poor old Tom Sykes because yeah, in any other he, season he Tom Sykes behind, would yeah. have been world champion, and, and think, now he's struggling to hold on to second. He was struggling at the weekend to hold on to second place in the championship. He only just did it, didn't he? Well, Laren Prost now says that Colin Edwards never won a MotoGP race. He crashed ah. in his last. But um, no, I mean I think the, the, the British Superbike has is and has been a, a fantastic uh, regional series for as long as I can remember. Um, there is hope that the American uh, series will get back on its feet again after being um, mismanaged by its previous owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's looking better now. But uh, yeah, I mean I think that, that's. But the World Superbikes for... only had uh, okay. There was a couple of people absent at the weekend. I think in the second race they only started 21 bikes. At the I know weekend. they 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 were it only. It didn't at look 20, a good grid. They were only at 24. Uh, you know, and, and obviously 24. Most car grids could dream of 24, but you need. But it's like what bikes. you said. You're missing those 10 wild cards from when you used to have open tire rings. Mm. Anyway, yes, bikes, bikes, fantastic. And if you can beg, steal, or borrow the uh, the highlights or the well, you don't want to watch the highlights, it's the full race from Philip Island. Yeah, you, no, no, s- s- honestly, please watch the whole 28 laps from Philip Island. I remember, Settle down, get yourself a, a cup of your favourite beverage, warm, yeah. cold, or adult. It's about 45 minutes, and you set aside for it. It, it is. Uh, lock the door. Don't let anybody in. Watch it in one go. It's really, really worth it. If you uh, can, the excess of highlights, there's not actually a lot taken out of the highlights. Oh, is there not? Oh, probably just as well. Uh, it is coming Before on at half past. Before we move away from bikes. Yes. Yep. Okay, yes, go on. Moto3. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was just as exciting, wasn't it, Nick? I did not watch it, so I can't say. Oh. Are you Danny intending Kent to watch win. it? Danny Kent no, didn't, didn't win, win either didn't the race the or the title. No, he had to wait didn't finish the race. Yes. I knew that because I read the highlights, but I didn't watch Moto3, I'm afraid. I will uh, let you watch that and not ruin it for you. I do. I do like. I'll, I'll, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I do like the simplicity of the MotoGP weekends with Moto3, Moto2, and MotoGP. I think it's a very uh, what I like. Sensible. Can I just package. say one thing? I quite like it, and I, and I, and I think it's is. The... And I like the progression of the riders. Exactly, and I like the way that they understand that if you're coming, if you're a big lad. Coming mm-hmm. fifth on a Moto3, mm-hmm. that's the same as winning. Yes. They don't, they actually look, and they, for some reason they seem much better at working out what's talented. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't think it's quite as affected by money as car racing as other people. They look beyond what team you're in. They look beyond, they look through, okay, you're, you know, you're four inches taller and several pounds heavier than that guy. Mm-hmm. You're actually a better bet to move to Moto2 than he is. And they, and they seem to be able to work no, out. I agree. It's good practice of the lanky guys running around in Moto3. They're never going to win because they haven't got a chance. So they think, well, it's okay because next time we've got twice the power. So it's fine. But I like the fact that there are places being made available for potential new talent coming through. I, I think that, that works well. I like the fact that there's support from some of the bigger teams and some of even the MotoGP teams. They've effectively got satellite squads running 
down through Mortal 2 and Mortal 3 and it just seems to be a very well thought out package or it's just evolved that way but it works and it works because it's all it's like a big holistic thing yeah. that works well it, together and it's a very good tv package for the smaller bikes they're not ridiculous expensive to run hence the reason you get so many semi riders in there because it's, it's it, the riders can see the progression it's not ridiculous money they've got great tv package you've got works riders in three as well with different manufacturers it, I think it works uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport uh, it is series 10 episode 41 it's just on 8 28 and 27 seconds actually as I said that uh, it's John, Nick and Tim up in London uh, we'll get Graham Goodwin up in a moment or two if you don't mind I'll play Tim. the news jingle yeah you can play the news jingle that'd be good Maybe I can't. <laughs> All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. So, uh, do we want to do Formula One news, or are we going to do no, sports car news can, first? Can we can we leave Formula One to later in the show tonight? Because I'd I'd like to to rattle through some sports car news because there's lots of it this evening. Um, have you got the Have you got the uh, editor of DailySportsCar.com on the line? Uh, he says he's away. No, he's here. He's he's there. He's uh, he's orange on my screen. Right, give him a give him a quick I'll, ring. I'll see if he's it, there. Uh, because there's plenty to talk about this week. Uh, obviously, we uh, had the ELMS at the weekend, expertly uh, overlooked by Johnny and Bruce. And uh, I have to say that I watched some of it whilst I was getting ready for um, a program myself, and thoroughly enjoyed what was going on. Because um, I was doing Renault at the weekend, and that was what you were working in the service itself. department at Renault. Yes, I was. <laughs> yes, just do a, do a head gasket on a Megane. Yeah, don't think I couldn't. <laughs> I don't think you could. <laughs> just just I'm not sure whether that would be really what you how you spend your Sunday. Good. Uh, good evening, Graham Goodwin. Ah, right. Very, very quiet in the background to us, Tim. But I, I and, and to me as well. I couldn't right, hear him. Wizard but uh, that's uh, that's. I think you were hearing him through my speaker. Ah, now now you should be able to hear him. Good evening again, Graham. Uh, hello, Hindy. Yes, that'll do. Hello. See, he's he's now got Marshall's script, and Marshall will have to come on and say evening all. That's right. We've that broken happens. the space-time continuum. Yes. Mm. Oh, hang on. The picture's changing. Ah, my uh, hand's gone all out of focus. <laughs> Uh, That's another reason entirely. ELMS at the weekend, Graham. The, yes, indeed. Uh, another four-hour contest that had everybody on the edge of the, their seats. You were down there um, in a paddock with a lot of positivity in it, which we'll talk about in a moment. But let's talk about the race and congratulate the, the championship winners, first of all. Uh, the battle at the front of the field was extraordinary and the outrageous... Uh, swings and roundabouts of fortune and fame just were going backwards and forwards between teams right the way through the race. Uh, we, we really genuinely didn't know which way that title battle was going to go until the last 15, 20 minutes. And, and rather sadly for Jota uh, Sport, and absolutely congratulations to Greaves for mm. a battle well fought and a, and a great win, by the way, for the Tyrrell by TDS racing team. And an, I thought uh, a LMP2 career defining drive thus far from Nico Lapierre, uh, who was absolutely top class. But very unfortunately for Jota Sport, uh, poor Simon Dolan, first man to actually hit the the barrage of water 
whilst you know just after having uh, driven to the lead of the race and uh, most unfortunately apart from that and the time he spent in the gravel trap and a jammed starter that cost them I think about 40 seconds in the pits over two stops but the bigger problem was that there was a broken floor and I believe a displaced gurney caused by the attempted recovery of the car out of the uh, the gravel which meant that at the end whilst as we watched on thinking it was possibly um, Harry Tinkle trying to attack on tyres a little past their best it wasn't uh, the car was not performing as it should. That said, that's racing, and it has been a brilliant season. Uh, I think of the championships that I've been following this year, it's right up there amongst the very best. It's a great atmosphere in the paddock. Whether again, second race on the drop for, for me, John, through a very welcome spanner in the works, and uh, and it was great to actually watch as that actually came through. But for the overall title... We didn't know for the last fifteen minutes of a of you know of twenty hours of racing, which is great. The uh, GT championships and what we now know will be the final GTC championship in its Indeed. current form. Um, let's talk about GT first. Mark Griffin missed out just again by the skin of his teeth. Yeah, it's it, it GTE just just got I think a little bit messy. Uh, it, it it you know it was what it was, and you know it has been good racing throughout. But it's not in truth as a class this year. John gripped me in the way that the LMP battles have, which is not the usual way for me. No, absolutely. Uh, in the in the European Le Mans series, um, we had uh, a first for the LMS in its current iteration, which is the first time. I believe ever since Gerard Naveau and co took over that we've had a GTE podium without a Ferrari. Without a Ferrari, yeah. Uh, but uh, a Which good I think win actually means that 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 uh, that those results won't count. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's okay because they were in the race allegedly. Ah, uh, no, okay. So, but, okay, that's uh, fine. But no, I mean uh, clearly the most notable thing of the lot was uh, well tactically and on the track. Finally, in its ve- what we believe will be its very last race the GTE version of the BMW Z4 in the hands of Mark VDS, also in their very last car race, uh, took what can only be described as a pretty emotional win. Irony uh, heaped upon irony with those guys. Uh, Mark van der Straten talking about, obviously we we talked about the controversy over them, uh, the quite extraordinary um, outpouring of uh, uh, rhetoric on their website Indeed. by the boss. Um, the the fact of it is, Graham, that if they were to enter a full season championship next year, they will be guaranteed an invitation to Le Mans. And that's the point. I think there's one thing to make clear. There's been a lot of traffic on Twitter and on Facebook and, you know, the Midweek Motorsport Listers Collective. They have, by coming second in the championship in the LMS... Um, they have earned themselves an automatic Le Mans place, but that can only take place if they do a full season of ACO rules racing, which made very clear they're not going to do. So I think that is going to be an auto entry that simply will not be taken up. The ACO do not, um, you know, go to the third place car. That's not the way it works. So Mm -hmm. unfortunately, 
uh, good fortune and good racing from the Mark VDS team in their last race is bad fortune for everybody else. Uh, so uh, that's the way you know it finished. Uh, the second place, uh, good news there for Aston Martin Racing and Beach Dean and their debut in a car that we've all seen before but probably didn't realise it. I'll come to that in just a moment. No, so no sec- tell me now, tell me now. Well, uh, we've all seen pictures, have we not, uh, of the, uh, the new 2016 Aston Martin with extended rear diffuser. Uh-huh. That's the same car. Uh, and it's the car, basically, with all the 16 bits taken off it and all the 15 bits put back on. Really? Been out in Portugal for quite some weeks doing lots of the background testing as well as, obviously, the Ladoo test. Uh, and was rebuilt for Andrew Howard and Friends. And uh, I thought they uh, put up a very good fight indeed. And, uh, and yeah. Do we think that's a precursor to Andrew looking at the ELMS in a, a more serious light for next oh, year? Oh, no, it 100% is a precursor to Andrew looking at... Um, the LMS and uh, you know stuff going on at Beach Dean I gather uh, as yet unannounced uh, there is one GT4 car for British GT okay. sorted already there is a second one looking likely one or two GT3 cars for British GT as well from Beach Dean but that uh, at the moment my understanding is that Andrew will not be part of a British GT effort no. he is looking at the European Le Mans series and potentially of course if the ACO give them the nod for Le Mans 24 hours GTC Graham uh, and, and as we said the final GTC stroke GT3 uh, championship in its current guise in yep. ELMS in the four-hour races, of which we'll come to in a moment and put some meat on those bones. I'm sure most of our listeners are aware of what's happened. But talk about the championship there. Well, I mean, in truth, it was another pretty seamless display from TDS Racing. And uh, I guess one of the kind of the, the stories post-race is what's going to happen next year for TDS. And we've uh, already mentioned have... the Corvette at the beginning of the show. At we the did. More we, the more we mentioned Corvette well, did. and TDS... Yep. Um, the more people are getting excited about it. But actually, all joking apart, um, first of all, congratulations on their championship. They have been, I think, the class of that field oh, yeah. this this year by by a margin, by a decent margin. And if they were to step up to a full season of GT e-racing next year, I thought a very eloquent, uh, very eloquent submission by our listeners on on the Facebook Collective of why they might take a Corvette mainly just to be doing something different because that's the TDS way. Well, I think I think the likelihood is it will be something different. I don't think it's going to be a Ferrari. I don't think it's going to be a Porsche. It's unlikely to be an Aston Martin. So you kind of sort of get yourself pretty quickly to the point where what else could it be? Um, you know, in terms of GTE machinery, it's still out there and homologated. It does leave you with a pretty short list of possibilities. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what emerges from that. But they are a team of quality. Uh, their LMP2 effort has been a cracker this year. Um, the GTC effort has been pretty seamless stuff as well. Yes, uh, we had. I think you know what we we got though, John. Aside from that, were two pretty extraordinary happenings. We had three teams coming from the back of their respective grids or yes. the grid proper to wins, and we had three first-time winners mm-hmm. uh, this year amongst the four-class winners. And you know, it had just a little bit of everything. This race meeting, uh, as well as what I know, we're going to come on and talk about. Um, just in a little while, uh, what the next uh, you know stage in the Gerard Nouveau plan for well, an endurance racing package in Europe is going to be? Well, let's flag up a, at least one of those drives. You've got to talk about 
GT Academy graduate Gaetan oh. Paletu, yeah. uh, who drove from the back of the uh, LMP3 grid. No, he drove from the back of the uh, grid. Back of the grid, excuse me, yep. yes. To within the top 10 overall, was it not? Yes, uh, he went. He was up to the uh, in, in, uh, up along with uh, Charlie Robertson in the uh, championship winning LMP3 Ginetta very quickly indeed. I think within two or three laps, taking advantage of a little bit of chaos ahead of him. Yes, but mm. that to get there involved in passing something like twenty cars um, be, within the first hour. Twenty cars for position. That for is. position. Not, yeah. Um, uh, but within the first hour, Gaetan. Let's not forget, in his first season of proper racing, mm-hmm. um, was uh, up into eighth position overall and uh, into the lead in LMP3. They made the right call on tyres. That was his call. Uh, Mike Simpson, his uh, co-driver uh, teammate uh, this weekend, pointing out that Mike has 24 years more racing experience than, than Gaetan does. Uh, this was Gaetan Pilatu's first ever win in a race. Uh, they've had some awful luck this year. It also, rather bizarrely, secured him um, the second place in the Drivers' Championship yep. by a single point. Uh, it had just that little bit of everything, really. Uh, of course, the, the bigger issue in LMP3 was that it was the first time the Ginettas have gone head-to-head with one of the Ligiers. We had two Ligiers at Estoril. One was there for uh, Pierre Fion to take a try-in and a uh, long chat with the, the ACO president about that. He was beaming. Of course, he drove the Ginetta at uh, Le Mans this year in uh, one the, the, uh, between one the, two of the sessions. But uh, let's put to, put to the sword straight away. Uh, there's been an awful lot said about, well, you know, the Genesis can be slow compared to the Ligier. No, it wasn't. In fact, no. the Genetta was quicker. And before we get into the, yeah, 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 but look, you know, Genetta have got pro drivers, etc., etc., etc. You know, there was nobody aboard the Ligier, the Graf racing car, which put up a great fight, by the way, to come home second place after uh, Chris Hoy was, to be blunt, given the wrong tyres at a point yeah. where it's very easy to get the wrong tyres. But uh, the... Uh, the Ligier came home second, but at no point in that race uh, was it outclassing the Ginetta. It was slower on the quicker laps uh, than both the the, the, the lead Ginetta, the LNT Ginettas. Uh, they were both in the 39s. The best that the Ligier did was a 40. And it had three drivers who all know their way uh, to a podium in CN-class prototypes. Uh, yeah. Two of them, I think, Amazing. are champions in CN-class prototypes. So it does give you... The opportunity well, I think it boards well. well. It oh, it does. Well, it's great. Does it not? It's great. It's, it's certainly, you know, we're not. We're not to the stage at all, anywhere close to it, where, you know, who should be surprised? On the same tyres, with the same drivetrain, uh, it's really down to what you can do with the chassis and the aero. Uh, the genetics has been de- developed this year with uh, very much different aero than we saw at the first race. Um, they've taken weight out of that car. It's given the ACO the opportunity to learn a lot about the LMP3 class. And uh, let's wait and see what, what what comes forward from there. And, of course, you know, with the championship uh, winners, uh, Charlie Robertson, what a great year he's had, deservedly newcomer of the year in the LMS, and Sir Chris Hoy, never heard of him, by the way, um, is that those two will I think be getting... The worst, I think the way Sir Chris Hoy's gone about his racing has been uh, outstanding... John, and I'm, I, I'm a firm fan, not just of the sport, but of sports. And, you know, I've been very lucky in my career to have had the opportunity to be close to some world-class events outside motorsport, principally the Tour de France and, and also the Olympics down the years. 
I, you know, doff my cap to the Olympian uh, ideal and the Olympian attitude of very many athletes around the world. And Chris Hoy is a absolute sporting superstar in the way in which, you know what? We don't just like ourselves, but we like for our kids. No, and that's, I agree. He's just been an absolute delight to deal with this year. And step and, forward, by the way, if if we didn't already think that the way that the Nissan GT Academy works, the Nismo GT Academy works, in terms of, right, put aside the fact that this, the original selection process comes from gaming, because that's just a means to an end. It doesn't. You could do rock, paper, scissors, actually, to get them through that part. The real work happens after the boot camp and before, whilst they're doing their training to get an international sea license. And so Chris Hoy went through an awful lot of that training with Bob Neville, with the guys, uh, the same sort of, uh, of, of training uh, and experience that the that the young recruits are put through. He went through. He did it. He took it in the spirit that the that it was given. And I think that says a lot about about the man. Um, I, I think it does, John. I mean, him. you know, the reality is. And if by the way, Bob looking... Neville should take some credit for that. Bob, Bob Neville should take Neville. a huge amount of credit for for mm-hmm. all that's happened with that program, as as should Liz and the rest uh-huh. of the guys at uh, at RGN. But you know, if ever you were looking for a guy that knows about the discipline of a training regime, that you do, you know, you do well to probably stop the clock when you're passing by. Uh, by Sir Chris Hoy. But uh, the news that uh, was confirmed at the weekend, we, we sort of knew this was coming, is that uh, the, the two winners, uh, Charlie and, uh, and Chris, will be getting an LMP2 test. I have zero doubt we're going to see one or both of them um, aboard an LMP2 car racing next year and quite right to. Um, before we wrap up on the ELMS, uh, a couple of things from listeners. Uh, congrats to Grease, says Jimmy B. But has Silverstone been all forgotten about? Turned out that that was quite important. It's a fair point. It was at the start of the season rather than the end, so it's in the dim distant past. But John Lancaster's uh, robust, yes, aggressive. Yeah. Thank you. Robust uh, past actually stood for something, given that the ma- the margin of victory over TDS was only two points, Graham. Uh, it did, and uh, I, I saw a different side to John Lancaster at the post-race press conference, but you sort of would when he's won, wouldn't you? But, yeah. um, you know, I think he's learned some lessons from it, and that's a good thing. Let's not forget one thing before we get into the kind of the, um, you know, the raking over the coals, which is perfectly correct, uh, which is he's a very quick race driver. Um, what he does need to learn is that he's not the only very quick race driver, and I think it's been a bit of an eye-opener for him this year it's not been a smooth ride for him on track or for that matter off uh, outside the team and in the stewards office or indeed within the team yeah. uh, make no mistake uh, nobody's been making terribly many excuses within the team for one or two of the excesses but at the end of the day what you want more than anything within a race team is someone who is stone cold fast and john lancaster is that I think he's, you know, he's done some growing up this year. One or two of the kind of comments in the fringes of the press conference after Estoril, I thought, showed us uh, showed uh, an encouraging sign of a little bit of self awareness, and we'll wait and see. 
Uh, Fabian W says ELMS has definitely stepped up in my personal ranking of series this year. Really good motorsport all year long. Uh, thanks to Bruce and Johnny uh, and Charlie George for covering it for us here on Radio Le Mans and on the TV. Stuart Hart, I'll, I'll throw this one the uh, at you, uh, Graham. Any ideas on numbers for... ELMS next year. Obviously, it'll be P2, P3, and GTE. Seems to be a few orders for cars uh, yet to be announced. Obviously, uh, no GTC, and we haven't covered that. I'll come back to that in a moment. Yeah, I think that and that is the key point. The fact that they've taken the move that we're about to talk about, John, is an encouraging one uh, for what they must know about numbers. I'm absolutely aware of additional LMP2 programs coming. Yeah. To give you, uh, for instance, uh, conversations in the fringes of the race with, amongst others, Ligier uh, about P3 and P2 orders. We know about the Tech 1 effort, which is uh, the team owned, uh, sorry, the team run on the behalf of Olivier Parnis and um, Fabian Barthez. Barthez will yeah. drive, Parnis won't. Uh, that one coming, but uh, Ligier telling me as well that they have two other cars to announce for the ELMS very soon. Um, you know, we we know that Jota will be back with the Gibson alongside their or- new Orica for uh, the WEC. I think we're going to see the same or better uh, in LMP2. God knows what we're going to see in P3 in terms of numbers, but my guess will be a very considerable uplift on what we've got this year. Uh, yeah. My guess is double figures for that. Yeah. Um, as far as LMP3 orders for the Leisure are concerned, actually, it's a case of the mathematics. It's quite simple <laughs> to, to, expl- to explain. Actually, I know a couple of people have been asking why have I come forward with the number I've come forward with. Well, let's explain the, the number, which is, I believe, at around or beyond 30 orders for the Which is extraordinary. Well, uh, do you remember when we first had Lawrence Tomlinson from Jeanette? Absolutely. On this, and we the and disbelief. Said, both said ten to fifteen. Yeah. He said, "I think we'll probably do the first batch. It'll be ten to fifteen cars." And we and we went really. Yeah. And now you're you're a little bit more than a part of an envelope calculations, say 30 lease years by the start of next year. Well, let's let's explain why uh, we come to 30. There are. Um, P3 cars, by the way. P3 cars. uh, There were two cars at Estoril. Uh, They were indeed um, chassis number 001, which was the one that PFM was in. The Graf car is 02. The David Cheng car that you and I, John, saw in the Asia Le Mans series at Fuji uh, two weeks ago is chassis 8. Right. So that means there are a further seven chassis complete. End of story. And that was confirmed by a Ligier source for me, that there are... Uh, a further five cars we haven't yet seen publicly. So that's Chassis 8, which was racing by mid-October. I know from customers, and indeed some potential customers, uh, that they are talking, well, they are now at around four to five cars being produced a month, which means in October there are at least another couple of cars to hit, uh, you know, to be put onto their wheels. That brings you to double figures by the end of this month. We then talk about... Um, five cars per month thereafter. Now, I believe um, the uh, source I have within uh, within the company tells me they are not going to have a full Christmas break at on road this year. Really? Because because of the the kind of level of 
uh, interest there is, and that uh, customers approaching on Roke at the moment are being urged to put uh, signatures to forms to determine whether or not they get their cars in early to mid-March or very late February. Do the math on that, and you will find that it comes to at or around 30 cars. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. All right, before we talk GTC, uh, a few tweets coming in to at Specutainment, at Radio Le Mans. Dave Alcock, I'm on uh, a number saying, uh, great to hear Pierre Fionn of ACOs taking the drive to drive the cars himself. Just to reiterate, he's now driven the Leisure and the Janetta. Paul Parkinson, you're talking about Nissan Academy. Uh, there was a BRSCC MX5 at the weekend with a couple of uh, academy drivers there they do do a lot of club racing they have to because they've got to get an international C Correct. Yep. license before they go out uh, and that is effectively 11 races if you do it the way uh, they're doing it or 11 signatures uh, that they need James Ryder we wouldn't be fans of endurance racing if we didn't want to see Ginetta and on Rourke on similar place Viva 19 uh, 2016 rather and Sarah Rigby saying have loved the ELMS this year so glad that it's back on its feet and grown and developed after the Donington 12 car in 2012 um, yes oh, well let's, let's before we forget that by the way uh, there was one one point I wanted to make which is hard luck actually to JMW yes um, they were they were gunning for uh, second position and the auto entry for the Le Mans 24 hours. Jim McWhorter and co. still looking to pull together a deal for the WEC next year with the, the 458. James Collado, uh, whose grandfather, I believe, lived just down the road from the Estoril circuit, Mm-hmm. Uh, was there to help boast that, boast that effort, and they they just they had a, a failure, uh, an all too rare failure uh, for JMW, which meant that their season finished on a downer. The reason I mentioned them, of course, is they are the team that stuck with GTE in the dark, Correct. dark days Correct. at the end Correct. of the Patrick Peter era, and uh, more power to them. Uh, JMW, the, the kind of race team that I think we'd all like to get behind. Um, before we move on to GT3 in ACO regulations racing. Tim has a point on LMP3. Tim? Uh, yes, you mentioned 30 cars, Graham. Do you know what the split of those is going to be between Europe and Asia? Uh, or is the, that the all al- Europe? Uh, no, it's, well, it's not all Europe. There are at least three Ligiers due to go to the Asia Le Mans series with the yeah, Euro International point, effort. Well uh, there are other, the, the other thing is, before people get terribly excited about a 95-grid LMP3 um, <laughs> you know, ALMS race, it's not going to be like that because LMP3 cars are eligible for a number of series. To give you a for instance of the, I believe, currently 10 uh, Ginetta LMP3 cars, three are already with customers in the United States. Um, and you know, that's what? Gonna, well, various club race series plus it's the, right. probably the best track day car in the world. Um, you know, this is a, you know, a pretty horny sounding thing that an LMP3 car. It's a great kind of car to have. Well, and also, Ginetta do one for a different engine, don't they? They do one for a different engine. Uh, but but beyond that, you've then got the Supercar Challenge, the, what used to be called the Dutch Supercar Challenge, yeah. V to V, which I think is going to be a rich mm-hmm. seam uh, for LMP3 cars. Uh, I have zero doubt that we're going to see something with uh, the, the likes of brick car moving forward where, you know, with LMP3. But then there's the other new market, and the other new market, which comes into the mix, John, with the very next thing we're going to talk about, which is the French Prototype Championship. Now, yeah. it, here's a kind of nice bit of synergy. 
the FFSA uh, GT series, the French GT Championship, which is GT3 only championship, is run by Orica. They have struggled yeah. to get the kind of numbers that are sustainable for a national championship in that uh, in that series, with the competition from some of the other major series across Europe, principally the Blancpain Endurance uh, series, and made the decision at the end of this season that, in parallel with the GT Championship in France, there will be an LMP3 based prototype championship that i believe is going to see some sensible numbers they were talking around the potential for 12 cars i think they're going to surprise themselves and get rather more than that uh, but the, there again is another opportunity for these teams to uh, you know to actually monetize their investment in a brand new prototype car and presumably uh, they're not going to clash the french calendar with the lms calendar uh, that we, we, we have guarantee of that because of Correct. what John's about to talk about. Uh, which is the new GT... Well, it's, the new this GT... is where John goes off onto a tangent about something completely different. <laughs> well, we've got, we've got a few minutes before half-time here, so let's wrap up the, the, the ELMS with the announcement that didn't exactly come out of the blue, but by the same token, I don't think it was... Um, massively anticipated that came up the weekend for the uh, ACO GT3 Le Mans Challenge Trophy for the Cup for the Thing right. on Saturday or, or, morning. Or Michelin GT3 Le Mans Cup. There you go. Um, I had some of the words, not necessarily in the, <laughs> the same order. Very, very Malcolm and Wise, yes. We, we had... Uh, we had... Uh, Gerard Nouveau, a week or so ago, talking about the direct attack from Formula One uh, on WEC with the clashes. This looks to me very much like a poke in the eye for Blancpain and SRO because what I see here is a championship that is a direct competitor. And in fact, when asked that question, um, Gerard Nouveau, the man at the, the head of LMEM, the, the guys who run the ACO championships at the moment, said um, they have a decent championship, but they don't have a monopoly on GT3, which well, is absolutely uh, true, of course. But talk us through this, Graham. It, it, okay. it is, it, how does it work? Right. It, it's, it's a new support series for the European Le Mans series. It's, it's designed to give a step onto the endurance ladder um, and, in effect, replaces GTC within the uh, the ACO family. Uh, so it's a support race for ELMS. We'll come to the additional race. It's a six-race uh, program because it will not be space on the program at Silverstone for this new cup. Um, it's a two-driver event, uh, Michelin spec tyres, GT3 only, and the, uh, the idea really is to give people an introduction to that package. Uh, it will be for current homologated GT3 cars. There will definitely be a bronze driver aboard each car, bronze rated driver aboard each car. They have not yet decided where they will cap the other driver. And I think that's very sensibly they're doing in in consultation with the teams that potentially yeah. might come. So it'll be at the five non-Silverstone ELMS races plus a race at the Le Mans 24 Hours. That will be an additional, so a third support race. So I think we can expect there's going to be a, a historic race that we've seen in the in the past, plus Where a manufacturer's. Where put support. that on Saturday morning? Well, it came. It's. I'm told it's going to be. You know, it's going to certainly it's going to be Saturday morning, nine or ten o'clock Saturday morning. Pierre Fion directly answered the question. I said, "Does this replace 
one of the two current races, direct answer from the president of the ACO was no. Uh, the, this is going to be. I want an the race to third. start earlier, not later. I think it will start later because I think they'll want to avoid it starting while the Grand Prix's on. Actually, sorry, ending while the Grand Prix's on. Actually, what they want to do is they want to start the race about seven, and that would blow the whole chance of the, of the Grand Prix starting at all on Sunday. I think they should put it out in the middle of the, the 24 hours itself. That'd be great. Because it's not allowed to interfere with the race. And, but it would be. And therefore, sorry, if it's just... at seven o'clock, plus two hours to back it, I mean, they couldn't start till nine. It's not a night race. They'd have to do it on Monday. Yeah. Well, well, here's the, here's the rub. It's a maximum 45-car grid. It will right. be the full-season entrance only from the Michelin GT3 Cup plus LMP3 cars. Uh, right. Spoke to Gerard Naveau in the fringes of the press conference. Whoa, whoa, uh, plus LMP3 cars. So this yes. is a mixed grid as yes. a support race. Yes. No, that I like. Yeah. But, that I uh, do what, like. What... And doesn't that now make it much more... Now we see why people uh, have been yes. allowed to take P3 cars to test days. Correct. And I think, you know, what in terms of who can enter, here's where the kind of the, the cut across comes. In, in SRO land at the moment, there's clearly an attempt to bolster their sprint series with all sorts of incentives and disincentives linked into who is and who isn't allowed to enter the Spa 24 Hours. That's been referenced now by a couple of teams. With the uh, Michelin GT3 Cup and the ELMS, the teams that will be allowed to enter the Le Mans race are the full season teams in GT3 from the Michelin GT3 Cup series. My guess would be that if a full season GTE team uh, wanted to enter a GT3 car and there was space for the Le Mans race, they would probably be allowed to do that. Uh, that teams entering a single or two cars for the season will likely be able to enter additional cars as well for yeah. Le Mans. LMP3, though, John, and this is the important bit, will only be teams that are competing in the ACO championships Championship. will potentially mean that the Asian Le Mans teams can actually join that grid. Uh, right. We'll wrap this up. It's interesting. It is the Michelin GT3 Le Mans John? Cup. The Michelin GT3 Le Mans Cup is what it's Correct. called. Isn't it? um, just a quick one, Tim. I'll come back to you in a second, I promise. Um, uh, a number of people, uh, including just for WEC, said, will the ACO use SRO's BOP? I'm confused. Could SRO say no for the use of GT3? No, they can't, because GT3 is an FIA-sanctioned series. And quite, the FI- John. But, well, the not FIA quite. do the balance of performance, though. Yeah, not quite, but uh, but uh, this is an interesting point. It will be FIA, BOP, but that is a baseline. My understanding is that through Claude Simon and his team at the SRO, there are several different aspects to uh, balance of performance in G- uh, GT3. It's a very sensible question, um, and I think that's a question that, that possibly is going to need further consideration by the ACO and friends before we get to a final answer. They I are think going to use the answer FIA that here. the SRO do not have a monopoly on GT3 tells you all you need to know, though, doesn't it? Uh, it does. I mean, and by the way, SRO's data is commercially available. It's something that mm. there is a cost to. So, you know, I think there's some, some, some hoops to be jumped through before we quite get there. But well, Graham, the how day... many of the GT3 cars haven't been to an FIA test? Uh, none of them. But the point well, being is that SRO determine their BOP not just on the baseline of the FIA figures, John, but dependent on the sort of circuits the car's being raced on. And for that matter, remember... Sorry, no, my, my point is, 
that all of the GT3 cars that are currently homologated and eligible for things like um, ELMS uh, for IWISC next year, etc., have done an FIA test and are on an FIA list. So they've already done an FIA balance of performance test. That's absolutely correct. I mean, but there are three versions. So SRO, there's no reason for SRO to be involved no, no, or no. to think they should be involved in an ACO and FIA sanctioned series. Uh, no, but it comes down to whether or not the baseline balance of performance is good enough. The the uh, the SRO version of balance of performance has those three versions for different grades of track. Wow. Uh, so but you of course, might find that some cars are less equal precisely. Than, uh, than they thought they would be when they uh, entered. Precisely. But also, let's not forget that uh, the ACO series, having, uh, as we've mentioned, called the Michelin GT3 Le Mans Cup, will be running on Michelin tyres, where, of course, SRO uh, run on Pirelli's. So that will be the big difference. Yeah, and I mean, I it's, it's the same with VLM, for VLN have their own criteria, too. For tires, so yeah. it, de- it depends, basically, on tyres. It depends on the circuit. Let's wait and see. I mean, look, there's this clever, clever people at the ACO. I'm sure this will get sorted, but it's a perfectly relevant question. Uh, just a quick reminder that Gerard Navarre had an interview with Johnny and Bruce in the Countdown to Green uh, from Estoril. It's on the website at RadioLamont.com. Quick note from Tim, and then we'll move I just on. I want to hypothesise, because uh, I've heard a couple of different things uh, about this uh, extra race at Le Mans. Uh, so Graham says uh, that it doesn't replace anything else. I've also heard from a separate source that it will be the first race to take place on the weekend. So that doesn't mean that one of the other support races could be moved to Thursday, for example. No, it doesn't. means they are all going to happen on Saturday. Uh, my, my guess would be, Tim, is that you might find that one of those races becomes a shorter race. Well, two of them could be shorter races. Yeah, what but I, I, actually, 50 I don't think that, minutes? I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually you do have think... have a race on Thursday afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I just, to be honest with you, I do think that we've, we've seen um, in one or two of the, the support races where reliability has been a bit shonky. Um, that that <laughs> well, it has yeah. you know re- realistically oh, that is a circuit that puts puts cars under stress and strain and uh, yeah my my guess would be that we are probably talking that certainly one of the measures would be that uh, some of the races might be a little shorter no, nothing Did- wrong with that. No Dave Alcock saying, uh, great that the ACO is putting a ladder to get GT3 and P3 into top-level endurance racing and giving them access to Le Mans. Albeit, Dave, don't forget, it won't be in the big race. It, it, but it, I agree with you. I think it's a smart thing to do. And it proves, still, does it not, that the ACO are still the preeminent force in endurance racing around the world. They've watched GT3 Evolve, and we'll be talking more about GT3 in this hour with Marshall Pruitt and having the a race American at Le Mans, which is a standalone race, is probably better for them than being part of the big race because no one's going Absolutely to pay right. any attention to them in the Absolutely big race. Absolutely agree. Uh, look, look at the races that we've had in the past when we've had the Porsche Cup races there. Obviously, the Aston race was spoiled last year, but the, the Porsche Cup race that we had was probably one of the biggest Porsche races of the year in terms of people who watched it and the racing within it. It was it was absolutely outstanding. Uh, all right, let's put that to bed for the time being. It's something we'll come back to. Um, we're putting together a GT3 special, but we will be talking more GT3 at the end of this show. Stay on the line, uh, Graham Goodwin. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport, Series 10, Episode 41, and this is overdue. Midweek Motorsport. 
half time. And while we swap hands, here's what's coming up. Yeah, well, we played a bit of uh, injury time there uh, in the first half of the programme. Graham Goodwin will stay with us. Nick Damon as well. Still to come, we've got uh, Formula One news as we look ahead to the Circuit of the Americas and the US Grand Prix at the weekend. And although the listener didn't hear that, bless you, Tim, I did hear it down the line. Uh, and uh, we'll also be getting Marshall Pruitt to talk again. More GT3, lots of GT3 news as we're looking ahead already to 2016 in the iWhisk Championship. The IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. That's what they're calling it internally, IWSC. So iWhisk it is for us as well. But and Fleetwood more of your Mac tweets. haven't uh, released a song called iWhisk. Well, I'll, I'll find something. Uh, more <laughs> of your tweets, please do. At Sports on RadioLeMond.com. Uh, let's uh, stay with Graham Goodwin then for uh, a little more sports car news before we get Marshall Pruitt uh, involved uh, this evening. Uh, and just a, a raft of sports car news came, coming in from uh, both Estoril and one or two bits and pieces from uh, from Fuji as well as we wrapped up from Fuji. Let's start with WEC. And I know Ooh, Tim's I've got, got one. Well, you, go on, you start with what you've got. Would you remember, John, you've got this idea of uh, hanging up your uh, headphones and uh, stopping being a commentator and turning yourself into a professional racing driver? Yes, that is that's, that is my uh, absolute avowed intent. Well, you've been beaten to it. Why is that? Well, Radio Le Mans commentator Alex Brundle is uh, going to be driving the Pegasus Racing Morgan at uh, Shanghai. I think you might find that he was already doing uh, his racing before he did commentating. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, and I think you might find he's a professional racing driver. Mm. Mm. He's a professional commentator now, though, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Very professional, actually. Far too professional. We've, we've had yeah, he's fight. out. He's we've... out. It's gone. Nick's been working so hard to get him that drive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is good news for for the Cookie Monster for Baby Brundle, isn't it, uh, Graham? And and uh, it's it's been hard work. It's, he's back into the to the fray with Pegasus in a in a car that should be relatively competitive, I think, at Shanghai. The team uh, lost the engine they were due to actually take to Shanghai um, in the early stages of the race in Estoril. So hopefully uh, there's going to be no particular problem there. But it is absolutely brilliant to see Alex back. Uh, you know, I'm afraid others beat me to the punch uh, with other stuff going on. Shay Goodwin, um, I was about to call Alex when I spotted it on Twitter um, that it was already actually out there. But look, I don't well, care. Well, we've respected De- him. Obviously, we've known about it for absolutely. quite a while. Delighted, yeah. delighted he's going to be back. It's been, you know, a long recovery from a kind of painful uh, uh, issue with his abdominal uh, muscles, um, which, you know, I'll let Alex describe that far better than I ever could. Uh, but uh, good to see him back. I gather he's looking extraordinarily lean, uh, a bit like some kind of, you know, rabid whippet uh, I think we're going to be seeing on the, on the, <laughs> on the grid in China. But uh, I'm sure we're going to get that, that wide-eyed look when he gets out the car, uh, I, there are few people who have a more hilarious response to adrenaline than Alex Brundle. And oh, uh, it's always an utter delight to actually speak to him when he's got out of the car. 
because he literally can't get the words out quickly enough. It's it's a fantastic thing uh, to, to actually see an experience. But he he makes, uh, he makes Nick Damon's speech pattern seem sloth-like. <laughs> but you know, I'll say again what I said before: <laughs> the, the the lad is an absolute credit, not just to to Martin, but to Liz, to his mum. Oh, uh, uh, and you know, and he's uh, there will be a lot of people very pleased to see him back. Uh, let's talk about who's in the car with him. Uh, hoping. Thank you. Yeah, very good. Um, and uh, David Cheng. Go on then. Let's get a seventies or eighties version with David Cheng. There's going to be something. We'll work on that. He's, he's, um, uh, he's uh, flicking th- flicking through on iTunes as I speak. Graham, uh, 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 I, I I took a bit of flack actually um, at no. Fuji. I know, hard to believe, um, for raising an eyebrow on um, at, at least one of the selections for the LMP one uh, test for the ACO for the post Bahrain race test, um, it, only because it was uh, uh, I was. Uh, accused of being uh, anti-antipodean, which I thought was no. a, bit, a bit rich. Um, but um, the uh, only because the person concerned wasn't a full series entrant. Um, it seems that I'm not the only one to have raised eyebrows. The uh, LMP factory teams who have to run these drivers have made it clear to the FIA that they're not happy either. Well, at least one of them at least one of them, and I'm not going to break any confidences here, is very unhappy with the driver that has been dealt to them. Um, I think it's fair to say, look, all three of those guys have got some heritage. We're talking here about the, the trio being Sam Bird, mm-hmm. will be with Toyota, uh, Richie Stanaway will be with Audi, Mitch Evans will be with Porsche. Plus, we know now that Juan Pablo Montoya will be testing for Porsche as well uh, in that post-Bahrain uh, race test. Um, and those drivers were selected not by the teams themselves, but by the WEC. Uh, amongst the kind of the issues that have been raised quietly, nobody's making a big fuss about it, certainly not publicly, although I gather a fuss it was indeed made when the teams were informed of the selection, uh, is that only one of those three is a full-season LMP driver in the WEC. Yeah. And that, um, was, that was the point I made. That was the only absolutely. point that I made. Perfectly fair. And no one's having a go at any of the three drivers. No, no, absolutely not. I just oh. my, my point on that, Graham, was people like Pepe Durrani, absolutely, who, who have driven full-season um, full season LMP2 drives, um, have or been LMP1, passed over. Or indeed oh, LMP1 LMP, Well, Yes, absolutely. That was the other side of it. Uh, have been passed over. Yeah, I, I think there is there is a bit of that. Now it doesn't stop those factory teams from putting those people in the car as well. You know, you know there is the opportunity. There's two track sessions for that test. I'll be there for that. So I'm I'm sure you will be too, John. Um, and you know the 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 answer there is we've yet to see whether anybody else will get that opportunity. My guess is that there will be other opportunities available. But it was you know, it's a, almost a throwaway remark to say isn't quite as simple as it looked. And, um, you know, at times, I'm afraid the job as a journalist means that you've got to spread things that are not particularly glad tidings. Uh, and this was one of them that uh, came came my way uh, to say that uh, certainly one of the factory teams, and it may be more than one, um, was not 100% happy. In fact, I would say wasn't even 10% happy with no. uh, what they'd been doled out. No, in, indeed. Um, so I, I, <laughs> I like the idea of the initiative. I, th- I think it needs uh, a bit of work. Um, LMP2, cost cap's gone up. 
not perhaps surprisingly. That's no, we do this. This, regulations. Has been, this, is, this has been something that's been flagged up for quite a while. Uh, I've got a funny feeling, actually, John, that uh, when you and I spoke to Hugh de Shonak last time, he told us that was going to happen. He did. Um, yeah. So, so there's, there's, you know, there's lots that it, it just makes sense. At the end of the day, we can argue about percentages, but the answer is, I'm afraid, price of things goes up. Yeah. It's it's as simple as that. Um, another casualty of the Formula One season calendar that we talked about a few weeks ago. We know that uh, Nico Hulkenberg can't come back and defend his Le Mans title, but it, it's in a roundabout way, it's it's taken some of the casualties. Uh, it has. I mean, there's a effort that we've known about, and, and I'll be blunt, that I've actually tried to assist on more than one occasion to bring to the the grid for Le Mans and for. The, um, the WEC uh, from Holland. And that would have been with Fritz Renard, um, who's the man behind Jumbo Supermarkets, a name that uh, uh, listeners will be very familiar with from the Racing for Holland sponsorship yep. that Jan Lammers sported for many years, that he decided that he would like to come and have a play in LMP2 and would like to do the Le Mans 24 hours, but was going to bring back Jan and indeed Jos Verstappen. Um, and this has been around now, it uh, must be for around a year, possibly even yes. longer than that. And there are a number of teams that have had conversations, negotiations with the trio. Two issues, I think, uh, have come into conflict with, uh, with this, because it has fallen, uh, you know, victim now, finally, to the, the final blow, the death blow to this, was indeed the, uh, the Baku thing, because it means that Jos Verstappen cannot do both because obviously he's, uh, he's got uh, duties in the paddock uh, with Formula One, both with broadcast and also with uh, his son, um, is that, uh, that that effort will not be happening in 2016, I suspect not beyond either. Uh, should say it's not quite as simple as just that. Um, I've heard from a number of people there's been some pretty clumsy negotiation done by, I think, one or two of the representatives for one or two of those drivers uh, that has not endeared them to one or two of the teams they've been negotiating uh. with. So, fingers crossed, some lessons learned. Look, you know, we all love a Dutch racing effort. There's something oh, yes. a bit special about that. And yeah, there are names to conjure with there that we'd love to see back at the big races in England this year. Uh, and uh, the penultimate thing I'm going to talk to you about tonight is a bit of a funny one. Um, a few years ago on this programme, uh, Declan Brennan coined the uh, um, immortal phrase, the shock that cost capping actually capped costs. <laughs> but in capping costs, which in, in cost capping, which capping, which does indeed cap costs, there is a cost involved in that cost capping, is there not? There is a cost. I've actually not. I'm going to give you a little bit more meat on the bones that I quoted. Um, in the piece that you're referring to on DSC a couple of days ago, which is this. There, there are various working groups um, that, that come up with some feedback from the teams and, and feed in details from the teams into the way the rules and regulations come forward. And quite correctly, the powers that be and the teams, including the manufacturer teams, principally the manufacturer teams, have made it clear that keeping costs under control is extremely important. That that group meets regularly uh, at and around WEC race meetings. And uh, I gather that having come to the conclusion that this was so important that it needed an individual to look after it at a senior level, that uh, they didn't need to be distracted by other things, other duties, um, that was agreed around the table. The very next meeting, 
uh, amongst the papers on the desk when the delegates arrived was an envelope for Toyota and for Audi and for Porsche. And in that envelope was an, was an invoice for 50,000 euros each for the salary for that person. <laughs> Uh, so, now, uh, before... so job one is save 150,000 euros, I guess. Well, I'll just pay them off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Done it straight away. Um, finally, and something that uh, I mentioned I was doing Renault Sport Trophy at the weekend uh, for Mortis TV. Placing it or talking uh, no, about it? Talking about it. Mechanicing. Um, f- frankly, mate, I'm pleased I wasn't racing in it because the calibre of racing and the standard of driving and officiating as what well, I'm weather? afraid. Uh, the weather was, would have suited me down to the ground, but the driving and the officiating and the standards of both <laughs> uh, would not have because it, they weren't up to a club race standard. It was appalling. And Nelson Panciatici needs to hang his head in shame. Um, he hit everything except the safety car uh, at the weekend. Um, however, the interesting point from our point of view, first of all, the RSO1 Renault Sports uh, cars are fantastic with the Nismo, uh, effectively a GTR of twin turbo 3.8 for nearly 500 horsepower and a Dallara um, bespoke carbon fibre monocoque, what's not to like as a full house purpose-built racing car. But uh, in one of the interviews on the grid, Jean-Pascal Doss, who is the competition director for RST Renault Sport Trophy, uh, mentioned um, that the cars were thought to have been perhaps a little too quick this year and they were going to be balanced back next year, Graham, to GT3 kind of pace. And they would be encouraging... Uh, people to run them in other championships. Now, that hasn't happened. It was the inaugural season this year. They were built specifically f- as a race car. There's no road car equivalent. So it can't uh, be homologated. And, and so they can't be homologated as a GT3 or a GT car as it stands. But the mere fact that Renault not only are happy to let people take them out of the championship, but also are encouraging them to do so and are savvy enough to realise that the, the balance of performance will have to drag them back a little bit that's a very interesting development for me am i reading too much into that or well, is what, there potentially something let's see what i know that we're going to get Renault, some Renault is on that right well grim uh, i think the answer is um it's going to be very interesting isn't it we've, we've seen the cars a couple of the cars will take pl- uh, part in the post season so the, the final uh, French GT race this season. There'll be also cars at the Golf 12 Hours. I believe there's a possibility that we're going to see cars in the 24-hour series with Gravontic next year. But, you know, ultimately, there's only one thing that stands between that car and a GT racing future, and that is um, that they build road cars. Yeah. Um, of course, the other side of this story is the Renault are going to be involved in the ELMS in a big way next year. I'm talking about the new GT3 championship, but the RSO1s will be, I think, on four at least of the ELMS. Uh, That's correct. Every, um, everywhere except Silverstone. Except Silverstone. Yep. With uh, World Series, Tim, is it? Well, it's not called World Series by Renault anymore. In fact, it hasn't been called the World Series by Renault for several years. It was called the uh, Formula Renault 3.5 Series. And next year, with Renault pulling their sponsorship of it, it's just going to be called the Formula 3.5 Series. Right, but it's interestingly then, the weekend is still called World Series by Renault. That is not the overarching... Not next year it won't, because Renault right, okay. aren't putting any money into it. 
Ah, right. So now, now it all begins to make sense then. Um, so are they going to drop the two-litre championship altogether? No, that will remain as the uh, Formula Renault Northern European. And, uh, Isn't um, that the one that goes with the LMS? Is that the one that goes with the LMS yes, rather than 3.5? Yes, it is, yes. Right, OK. So 3.5 is basically being cut loose um, and the Renault-branded Formula Renault 2-litre and RS Trophy will will end up on the as the support package for... Yes. Mm, that's interesting. The, the thing you didn't get to when I said what's, what's the benefit for Renault of allowing these cars to be raced elsewhere, one, they sell more cars, two, yeah. they sell more parts. Parts, yeah. No, no, I absolutely agree. Well, Delara will send more, sell more bits because I'm not sure that there's an awful lot of, of Renault in them uh, with a Nismo engine and I'm sure Delara, that everything else. Uh, customers are only allowed to buy them direct from Renault and not no, from sure uh, Delara. And that there's a bit Renault of a markup going on there. As knowing Renault Sport as we do, yes, I'm sure you're absolutely right. I, I think we're going to see... I, I Graham, as I was... Uh, commentating at the weekend, Akib Vacher, who we've seen in Kreventnik Racing. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, uh, we had uh, um, we had um, Max Brahms driving in it. Uh, and, you know, lots of people who I recognise from the Dutch Championships. Uh, and these cars are proper, proper supercars. I was quite impressed by the racing. And by goodness me, they can take a hit. It must be the most sturdy carbon fibre ever built uh, because the way the guys were leaning in on each other, it will clearly make a very good endurance car. I, I do think it's an interesting uh, an interesting move by by Renault and Jean-Pascal Doss uh, as to how that goes on. And we'll see. Uh, of course, the other thing was that the, the winners of the two championships, the pro and the arm side of the championship, one of them got a Super GT test with Nismo, and the other one gets a Le Mans drive in uh, an LMP, LMP2 car. You know, it's it's great, isn't it, to actually just see that bit of parallel thinking here that, mm. um, you know, Renault, uh, historically, John, have worked very hard to keep people within that family. And I think what they're beginning to see now is that there's opportunities for a bit of kind of cross-fertilization. I suspect Nissan have taught them that, uh, is yeah. the honest answer. That's a fair and, point. And, you know, I think the, uh, the the answer here is it's great to see some manufacturers just thinking in kind of parallel terms to just their own series. I think next year, if the plans come together with those two Renault championships plus the Milan, uh, Michelin Le Mans GT3 Cup alongside the European Le Mans series, uh, is as good as we think it possibly could be, you might start to see something that gets closer to what we had with those... Everybody remember the Super Race weekends? Oh, yeah. Uh, back in the day? To be honest with you, that's what's needed. And if on the back of that, you can get, maybe not in year one, but moving forward, a decent uh, TV deal for that package. And to be blunt, I'm thinking here along the lines of what BTCC have with yep. ITV4, then yep. all of a sudden you've got something and no, you've got something that starts to turn heads and starts to entertain and will cross fertilize with people getting bums on seats at racetracks, which is where I'm afraid at the moment motorsport is failing and failing badly. Mm. Uh, the the Renault weekends were a massive hit. I noticed it was they still had a decent crowd even in horrible weather at Hereth uh, at the weekend, but it was it was not as it it has been. I do think it's an interesting move. Graham, thank you very much indeed, and uh, we'll speak to you next week.
Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscar.com. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport, uh, Series 10, episode number 41. Marshall Pruitt still to come tonight, but while we let's wait... Let's do some Formula 1 news then. Let's do some Formula 1 news with Nick Damon. Nick Damon, what does uh, Philippe Nazar want? His two front teeth? What he wants for Christmas? I don't know, I don't know. what does he want? He wants harder tyres. Oh, right. Why does he want harder tyres? I don't know. Maybe he thinks that uh, the tyres are normally, too soft at the moment. Normally, just want more durable tyres rather than harder tyres. Well, maybe that's what he really means. I mean, just tyres that are last. Everyone wants that, though, apart from Bernie and Pirelli. Well, hang on, though. And now Pirelli don't want it either because Pirelli, don't want it. Pirelli are, uh, are having an eye over their contract and because they want to get... Pirelli have re-signed, apparently. Yes, but they want to get a guarantee of test days. Oh. They want to stop being embarrassed. Hmm. I, I still like this idea that you pick your compounds for each race ahead of time and you can have anything but you've got to pick them in advance well, next year going through the um, uh, working group the strategy committee is the fact that the Pirelli will nominate one compound and the teams can choose the other brilliant so they'll say medium and then you can say super soft or you can say soft or you can say hard but you can't you. say medium exactly right so you, you, you choose your two and the second one is down to you now obviously there's a few Most circuits. Most people will go There's for a few this. circuits which is super soft and soft, and Canada and, and Monaco and now um, Russia. But there are other there are other circuits where having the ability to make your, your softer tyres work better will be a real advantage. And potentially well, as well, that would allow you as a minor type manufacturer to build a car that worked really well on one set of tyres for the whole year. And just say every time, oh, yeah, it's super soft. If you've got some, well, I, I want super you've stops got everywhere. If you've got something that worked really, really well on the soft tyres, you'd be pretty, you'd be doing pretty well in races. Yeah, always. I mean, you might miss out in qualifying some places, but that would that mm-hmm. that is the most common tyre to go well on a race. is the soft tyre. Mm. That's 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 a tyre which Mercedes are particularly good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Jensen Button want? <laughs> to finish his unfinished business at McLaren, which and is collect, and collecting that final big check. And get to the end of a race, uh, winning a race with the Honda engine. It says something PR friendly, but basically qualify somewhere where you can see the lights without the use of the Hubble Space Telescope. Good point. He was about to retire, but now he's got a huge check to keep him happy. Has he? Yes. What does Pastor Maldonado want? Uh, not to have gone to Lotus. <laughs> he didn't say that. He did. He said, he said in retrospect it was a mistake leaving Williams. Well, he did say that. Yes, but so that, what so does he want he for wants... 2017? A really, really bad teammate, so he won't look quite so bad. No. 17? He wants a really good... Sorry, 16. Uh, he wants a really good teammate. To make him look good. Um, Why? To push him harder. Well, Grosjean's quite good. Some Yeah, but Grosjean's going to Haas. No, I know. I'm saying so, he so he wants just... someone like Romain Grosjean alongside him. Ah. Mm. Uh, he wants someone who's uh, got some experience in working because obviously they have uh, uh, is that him just basically saying please don't take two paid drivers and leave me without a drive well I think no, he's they saying can't, please don't no take Julian Palmer or Kevin Magnussen no one can pay more than him well until Venezuela actually goes bust as a country right uh, well obviously the thing is that we are waiting for that as one of the two seats that are left though we well, sorry, one of the four seats that are left though of course we know Esteban Gutierrez um so yeah, he, he there is a seat available there. The question really is um, whether it'll be a soft takeover next year by Renault, and they won't try and put much effort into it and work everything out for 17. Of course, when there's going to be 
theoretically a very large regulation change. I mean, that was one of the things, interestingly, which was uh, mooted by Pirelli. Pirelli. Did you see what Pirelli said about the um, the, the contract? Right. In 2016, we launched more testing, and in 2017, we'll do whatever you like. Big tyres, small tyres, wide tyres, thin tyres. They basically said, yeah, whatever you want, we'll build whatever you want if we get the testing. So that's well, well, they've walked away now from the not doing high profile. Sorry, not doing low, low profile. profile. Sorry, low profile. Which they were so they didn't about. want to do teams, did they? They're happy to do that now, apparently, but the teams don't. The teams aren't so keen because it's, it's such a massive change. Yeah, but if, if you build a new car every year, what difference does it make? All it means is that all your old data goes out the window. Mm. So it's just a restart. Mm. That gives that puts everybody on a, a level. Pl- oh, hang on. Yes, now I see why. Who, who wants a uh, <laughs> Who wants an F1 drive next season? Everybody. Me. Nobody. Actually, I'm probably a bit too chunky for an F1. I'll, I'll be a simulator driver and stand at the back with headphones on. Which new crowned DTM champion wants? Pascal Verline. Pascal. But Verlein. apparently, um, the word on the street is that even though Manor are getting the engines from Mercedes, it might be too expensive for Mercedes who spends $700 million a year on F1 to pay for Pascal's seat. Well, that's that's because he burns DTM. clutches out. Does he? Yes. He thinks the clutch is a footrest. <laughs> I think... I take it Formula what, 1 cars what, don't even have a clutch pedal what anymore. Mercedes, they don't. What Mercedes is saying like is that because, uh, because the, um, the Manor now has a Mercedes engine, a Williams gearbox and rear end, that everyone, all the pay drivers are going to fall over themselves to give massive checks. And, and apparently Mercedes couldn't possibly back, match their buying power. Well, apart from the fact that they're getting the engines from them. Yeah, yeah. but they're paying for them. Yeah. They're, they'll not be paying flat yeah, full it, rate. Don't forget, it's always cheaper to do a contra than a sale. Yes, absolutely right. Um, but anyway, more, I think more importantly, I think it's because um, uh, they don't want it to get announced because they're still holding it up. The, the, you know, Mercedes are, are they the holding, most... holding no, out for a hero? No, because Mercedes are the most keen on three-car teams. Uh, they're constantly really keen about it. And if the nuclear situation happens and we lose both the Red Bulls, then it gets very, very close. You need to have one other team trip over, which is still possible, and you could get down to the point where three-car teams will be possible. Well, and because you could then see Renault play the tactical card and not take Lotus over and let them go at the wall. There's a lot of arguments against doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, interestingly, of course, Renault are not exposed to that issue because they're not, they're not owed any money by, by Lotus. No, that's a fair point. Uh, while uh, we're but while we're talking about Red Bull... Pascal Verlein, all right, OK. <laughs> go on. Uh, he obviously won the DTM title. Youngest ever. And is the youngest, age 21, youngest person ever to do so. Uh, mm. Which Leicestershire driver did uh, well in the uh, Jamie finale? Green! Won the last race, Jamie Green! Leicestershire driver, Jamie Green, yes. And did Gary which, Puffett uh, win races this year? Which Bromley driver also did well at the weekend? Gary Puffett, obviously. Yeah, he's in Bromley. he got well, his first he pole position since 2012. He must be moaning a lot then. Mm. To the extent that that feature doesn't, hasn't run since 2012. No, it's... Uh, mm, yes. What a waste of a talent. Absolutely. But, Think of the you money know, he's earning. But then you look at all I'm the sure other... sure he does. You look at all the other McLaren drivers being wasted along the way. Oh, no, that's very true. And somebody mentioned that in the collective the other day. You know, they, they, they've chucked away Maxim without giving him a chance. They chucked, they never gave Ollie Ter- Turvey the chance he should have had. What about Perez? Well, Perez, yeah, I think Perez had his chance. Stoffel van Dorn's going to go the same way. Not if they get three cars, he won't. Ah, uh, that's a fair point. Uh, 
but I don't, un- I don't understand McLaren sticking with the two drivers this year. Speak, speaking with well, be, contracts. That's yeah, all. but they could have got out of the contracts for a lot less money. Speaking of Red Bull and Toro Rosso, as we were, we should almost have a feature uh, about this engine who, watch. Who <laughs> with Bill Oddie? Yes, <laughs> with Bill Oddie and uh, Kate Humble. Yeah, uh, whose oh, engines have they? There. Who have engines have they not got this week? Well, they've actually got the option of a brand spanking new Renault with a super new ice, ice baby. Really? Internal combustion engine. I knew the uppy downy bits. Little be downy, mm. greasy, smelly bits. The, uh, was it? Uh, so I thought you meant in-car entertainment when you said ice. Look at that mm. as well, because obviously the park on the side of the road quite a quite lot to a listen lot. to it. Yeah. Um, and they all have the option of this new ice, uh, which has got used 12 tokens. So they've been down the arcade. And they've, yeah. they've put, uh, it no. does, honest, every time they say that, it's jetons. Uh, so <laughs> 12 tokens. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they've they've, they've done a gear, Jimmy Pocket. as you do, and so they've uh, basically got a, um, a a big upgrade engine. Because the problem is that if you ha- if you take the engine, you have to go to the back of the grid. So I my guess is that they will probably run it in Friday practice. It doesn't count. Then see what it's like, and if it's good enough, they'll go on the back of the grid. Mm. But come up is Austin, and it's going to be interesting. And uh, Lewis Hamilton will probably leave the weekend as world champion. There we are. That's the F- that's the F1 preview for you. And apparently the U.S. loves, the U.S. promoter loves... Uh, uh, he loves um, Lewis Hamilton. I think Hamilton. everyone should be like Lewis Everybody Hamilton. Everybody should be like Lewis Hamilton. Let's move on to this. Hey! No te fías en español. Olé. Por midweek motorsport. El Jeff de Motorsport de Honda... Dice el Gran Premio de Russia, Pasado Demonstro que el esfuerzo a largo plazo para es disarono del motor de la firma japonesa uh, está yendo la buena a dirección. A lot going on there. So well, Jeff, the llama's back. Jeff, for the start, llama's back, yeah. And he's wearing a jumper or a sweater and yeah. he's drinking a amaretto-style liqueur called Desaronto. So... Yeah. Um, what Just else do you get? Yeah. Some kind of... Is, is, Passata. Is this some sort a... of... And it was in Japan. Is this some sort of Jeff travel log piece? Passata is... Isn't that some kind of tomato-based paste? Is this I... a culinary stroke drinking is program? Is Jeff entering Japanese MasterChef? Ooh. Could be. Let's hear more. Honda user lost quattro tokens para el disarono del motor que disponia antes del evento en Sochi tres de ellos usados en la mejora de la combustión y el otro en el escape. Yes, well, there we go then, because what's happened is that they've actually had to, they actually now found that they've to buy the uh, the liqueur, they've had to use tokens, which is again, involved them uh, going to the arcade, as we said just in the last item about getting tokens, but unfortunately it went wrong and they had to escape. Yes. In a, a, in a Ford. Perhaps, yes. A, a Ford escape. Perhaps there's a fire in the arcade caused by Jeff in... in uh, Master Chef. Yes. Mm-hmm. El equipo ha confirmado que el disarono va yeah, en la go. buena dirección, así que ahora trabajaremos <sighs> para afinario en las uh-huh. cuatro carreras que quedan. So they got rid of the the, uh, the escape. They got four Porsches. No, no, a cuatro and a Porsche Carrera. 
Sure, that was uh, that's what you win. That's what you win. There's an awful lot of drinking amaretto in this thing. Yeah, I think this is the thing. Do you not think this is actually what's happened? Is there is some sort of drink fueled party going on yes. with Honda? Yes. And perhaps the tokens we got this slightly wrong, and they're actually yeah, they're, they're the entry tickets. So Jeff got the tokens to go to the party where you get to drink, you get to run around in in quattros and carreras. And Obviously no not at the escape. same time. We couldn't possibly condone that. No, not well. Actually, this is the problem. This is the problem. I believe there could be a kind of a drunken party. Party of llamas going on. Okay, moving on. Hello, CK oh, Valida. That's a dog. That's a dog. Mm-hmm. I thought it was danger. No, it's dog. Perro. Oh, it's pericolo, isn't it? Danger. Perro. Uh, el incansable trabajo que estamos llevando a cabo cardo uno de los miembros del equipo oh. McLaren Honda y el constant empeño uh, yes. por mejorar la fiabilidad. Uh, yes. y conseguir que los fines de semana wow. estés libres de problemas. No, well, part of the issue here, Honda are drinking themselves senseless. <laughs> yes, well, I can see why. Because the McLaren Honda, um, according to their drivers, doesn't have the performance even of a Trabant convertible. Ah. That's what they're saying. So this is why... And it's a bit of a pair, a bit of a dog. A bit of a dog. Oh, exactly. It has all of the <laughs> dynamic capabilities <laughs> of a Trabant convertible. That's, huh? that's what they say. So they are fueling the rest of the season as a haze, to forget about it, with uh, almond-based liqueurs. And obviously looking also for a token, really, of not only affection, but of some way of upgrading the car to at least a quattro. Yes, exactly so. Uh, putting two of them together to get four-wheel drive. Yes, you've seen the new Honda. You've seen the new Honda advert. Yes. Played for takeoff, Jensen. Mm. Didn't and mention of Fernando on that. Don't wait any longer. You've been waiting a season. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Was that uh, it? Is that it, I think? Yeah, just to prove that we are live, uh, 215 uh. for four. Yes, right. excellent. Who is? The West Indies uh, ladies who are playing the Pakistan ladies in uh, St. Lucia right now. All the news from across the pond. If it happens over there, hear about it here. Midweek Motorsport. Marshall Pruitt's with us. Good evening, Marshall. Evening, all persons. Yes, very good. Oh. Very good. Good. The time-space continuum continues to be bent on our back to the future, future to the backwards. Uh, how are things in the US? Are you excited? Are you are you barely able to contain yourself because the world's greatest motorsport event is coming to Austin this weekend? Where? <laughs> he, he's obviously going to Hill Valley, which uh, isn't that far from him, is it? I'm going to Thunder Hill to watch the DeLorean that Stanford uh, dropped electric motor into and fed a little bit of uh, AI into watch it do more donuts uh, around the paddock as I watched in a great video. Uh, it's been a busy week for you this week uh, and uh, I mean just so much news we've been talking about GT3 with Graham Goodwin earlier on we'll start there with you Lamborghini uh, it's, it looks like in iWisk next year GT Daytona is going to look like Lamborghini Cup pretty cool I think uh, granted 
Uh, I will see how competitive the cars are, but there are enough teams coming in and enough, or at least one team that's converted over with Palmilla Racing uh, mm. to make me think that there's something good to be had. They cer- certainly would not be making these switches uh, for, again, a proven team like PMR or some of the others, Conrad, uh, Charge Racing, and also Gara Motorsport. Uh, you can't imagine that any of them would be going towards the Lamborghini if they felt it would be less competitive than the other offerings. And if you look at the number of pole positions, uh, the season-long championship contending, uh, contender status for Paul Miller Racing with their Audi R8, uh, you would say that they definitely know uh, that they had something that was capable of winning or running up front. So that's, to me... Of all the announcements of the teams that will be using the Huracan, I think the PMR announcement was is the first big legitimizer. We haven't yeah. seen a, a confirmation from the team, although we know it's happening, that we have the uh, defending, the new and defending GTD champions in Bill Sweedler and Townsend Bell moving to O'Gara Motorsport to use a Lamborghini next year. So that is also, I guess you could say, another good legitimizer. So, yeah, I'm intrigued. I I really look forward to it, Heidi, and I'm glad to hear that we have another mark, even though it is kind of an Audi with a a bull on it. Um, I'm glad that we have another mark to uh, celebrate. Here's the thing, though. Um, That obviously means Christopher Harzer won't be going back to PMR. Um, So at least one possibly two new drivers for PMR. Also, what is going to happen with Audi? Because yeah, as recently as Petit Le Mans, um, I did a, an Audi event with PMR and they were still talking about having a new R8 at that point uh, and at the moment I'm not seeing who's going to step in and take a brand new R8 we know that Compass 360 will continue with the current model uh, not the 16 model the current model of the the R8 there's only five coming to the US anyway I had expected at least one to go into GT Daytona in Iwisk it, that that may not happen now we, we may be left with no Audis at the sharp end of the field which i found ex- i find extraordinary still think we could see one of the 2016 models at the rolex 24 uh i, I wouldn't bet any money on that yet but uh, i think we could still see that happen uh could there be more coming in possibly uh i think there's still some there's a definite to be determined to hang over that with the new uh, 2016 R8 LMS. Uh, we do know that they've been testing that car uh, privately, quietly here in the States since it arrived uh, with the Audi customer sport team. So uh, I think there's still some news to be heard there. Definitely, uh, you could say Lamborghini, though, has been making a lot of news, making a lot of waves uh, well before the season starts. And we'll uh, certainly look forward to seeing all of those lovely Lambos in action when we get to the first official test coming up here in a few weeks in uh, Daytona. And then we get back for the roar. And then we, when we go play for 24 hours at the, uh, the big one to open the season. Mm. Uh, staying with GT3, uh, the World Challenge Sprint 60 Minutes uh, races definitely happening next year. Uh, for World Challenge and no Sprint Series as far as IMS is concerned. Scott Atherton coming out and speaking to you uh, about that. So we've got 
we've got clear blue water now, haven't we, between the two different sides of GT racing in the States with uh, SCCA and World Challenge on one side doing the shorter versions and IMSA doing the longer versions, the endurance races on the other side. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, do you? I think it's great. Last year, when, or I should say last season, when World Challenge had a different CEO, one who uh, embraced the scorched earth warpath approach to, you know, waking up and having breakfast, much less running the series, definite sense and notion of fighting, trying to take away, trying to beat, trying to scoop, trying to everything. Uh, out everything IMSA on in relation to GT3. So you had their announcement that they would be doing the Sprint X uh, portion of their offerings. Uh, GT3 cars, don't call them endurance races, uh, but they are roughly 10 minutes longer than a standard World Challenge Sprint race. Difference being mandatory driver change, so you can actually have two people involved. Uh, no refueling can change two tires, but mandatory pit stop, minimum pit stop length, so uh, there's no concern about uh, speed or, or anything else there. Just really trying to create an environment where at three rounds, if you have a GT3 car and you race in World Challenge, and you want to tack on 10 minutes and play with someone else, you can. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's fantastic. Uh, do I think it really would be something to keep... Pirelli World Challenge GT3 team owners from playing in IMSA? No. Tacking 10 minutes on to the length of, of a normal race and doing a driver change to me is unique for them, but a far stretch from uh, I, the iconic events that we associate with endurance racing. So I don't think it will keep any interested World Challenge entrants from uh, GT3 owners and World Challenge from heading over to IMSA to play wherever. But at the same time, if they can offer something a little bit different, make a little bit of money, uh, entice more, good on them. Then on the IMSA side, the Scott Atherton has said all along, Heindy, if our team owners tell us they want it, we will do our best to make it happen. But if we don't have enough of them saying that they want it, yeah. then we're not going to offer them a product that uh, has no interest. And in a, a, about a half-hour-long catch-up with Scott Atherton yesterday, and he told me that they have not had the number of inquiries from IMSA team owners and entrants to warrant uh, cooking up their version of World Challenge, sprint races in IMSA. So, yeah, looks like they're clear battle lines. But I would say the cool thing, at least so far, Heidi, the last note here, is with interim CEO Greg Gill in place, uh, yes. I, I don't think we can really continue to use the battle line descriptions or otherwise. I think they're, things have just settled into uh, you are who you are. We are who we are. Let's do business and uh, without trying to kill each other. Well, and you know, that's that was my point on the intro to that uh, MP. To be honest, I think that having two separate personalities, two separate offerings, is no bad thing. There will be a, an amount of crossover. Of course, there will be because motor racing is a is a small business. GT racing is a small part of that small business. But if you are offering things that are distinctively different, then you are less likely to be treading on each other's toes. And frankly, if you grow the market generally, rather than trying to compete for the same people in a contracting market, then surely that's got to be better than, than having a fight about it. And, and I agree with you. I, I think it can only be 
good uh, and I think Greg's a, a great uh, uh, is a, a great hire for, for World Challenge um, we, we talked about a potential bringing up a potential uh, uh, weekly feature about whose engines Red Bull aren't having we could do one with you as well for Ford and drivers couldn't we <laughs> we've been testing uh, at Sebring who's been hanging around Ford this week <laughs> Down down at Sebring, uh, a number of people were down there. Uh, some that we've mentioned before, some not. What do you know? Yeah, I might play this one a little closer to the chess ID. Let's just say that uh, my list involves people that I've written about recently as very likely to drive and uh, might have been expanded by one uh, or more on that list. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's getting close to uh, closing time on the East Coast so uh, for the for them to end their test. So I'll save a little bit of that for an uh, uh, article coming up here, hopefully in a couple hours. But uh, we will see how accurate I've been. I have a feeling, based on who I know uh, that's been there, that uh, the last thing I wrote about it and uh, the people I done prospected might be driving next year – uh, I'm rarely good at prognostication, Heidi, but uh, I think uh, some of the feedback that I've gotten uh, about who is there testing uh, might point to uh, being a little more accurate than usual. What uh, and uh, that was a, a U.S. test or uh, a European stroke WEC test, a joint test, or what? Because the one thing that I will say is, in all of the speculation and let's call it educated guesswork that we've been doing. Uh, as well as putting rumours together and indeed what we've been told. Um, an awful lot of detail came out around Petit Le Mans that we've talked about already on this show. It's all been for the US Ganassi programme. And I know Ganassi is, is the umbrella over the whole thing. What we've got much less clarity on, Marshall, is what the WEC programme drivers are going to look like so any any crossover of that or are the teams still being kept fairly well apart which is seems to be the tactic at the moment that's everything i've heard if it's inaccurate then it's completely inaccurate but that's what i've heard uh yeah uh, i had a conversation with someone hindy about 10 minutes before we got on the air here about how uh let's just say that there are teams, at least one team, but I know it's teams in the IMSA paddock that are currently struggling with uh, putting out press releases and announcing news and kind of talking about their own future plans without wanting to betray some of the drivers who might not be returning to their programs. And the struggle there or the the kind-heartedness being displayed really has nothing to do with Ford. It's more a case of, hey, Driver X, who's been with us that we we know is going there. Um, we want to take care of them because they've done good things for us. So we'll, we'll, be, we'll hold on as long as we can on announcing whatever we're doing. But, or, you know, I can tell you one or more are starting to butt up against the 
but we're kind of got to start doing our own thing. And if uh, you, the, your new manufacturer isn't willing to put the news out, we're not going to announce where you're going, but we are certainly going to announce you're not going to be with us. And that kind of breaks the news for those who know that you're in conversations over there. So a little bit of awkwardness, but you know, bottom line, teams need to do whatever they need to do. And uh, uh, all this stuff will be known before long, Heidi going to throw this in which we haven't talked about before so this is a bit of a curveball for you have we heard anything more about mercedes-benz we reported on this show for a while ago now maybe six weeks ago that amg mercedes-benz were interested in getting a couple of cars into gt daytona of iwisk next year that they were potentially even prepared to fund one of those or both of those cars if the team if a good team could come forward uh, and put a business proposal together uh, and make that work for them from my side of things i've heard absolutely nothing since we talked about it then and all of the usual suspects who i would have expected to have known something about it in terms of the teams who i thought might be interested have got nothing for me anything from your side yeah soon after petit le mans wrote in i i hate to admit it, it's a bit of a blur, but mentioned something somewhere about how uh, at least one of the 2016 spec Mercedes-AMG uh, GT3 cars would be brought to next month IMSA test at Daytona as a bit of a sales teaser, come and test, get a look, get a feel, really to try and prompt sales. Uh, so wrote about that uh, and heard that was happening and spoke with one of the teams that has been uh, having discussions with uh, the uh, Mercedes-AMG customer sport side about helping them with that test and possibly helping to facilitate and or run that. So uh, I need that's on your kind of – it's almost like you can see my to-do list, Heidi, for what I'm uh, planning to write about. That's one of them, just a little bit of an update there. So hope to have an update on that, if not this week, early next week. But do expect to see them there uh, in that before- piece- yeah, and before I move away from sports cars to open wheel, Brian Dawkins has just tweeted at Speculatement. Any word on Derek Walker Racing and potential programs for the sports car team next year? Nothing as of late. Uh, spoke with uh, my favorite Muppet, as he calls himself, Mr. Walker, uh, very recently, <laughs> and they're continu- continuing to talk. There, you know, uh, if if folks were to assume that Derek has spoken with uh, the folks at Mercedes-AMG, with Lexus, with uh, any and every manufacturer out there with some sort of program to offer, uh, you might not be too wide of uh, being accurate. But nothing really uh, at the moment. Uh, We put up a story today about how uh, the uh, chief race engineer for the Falcon Tire program, Neil Fife, has returned back to Ray Hall where he'll be uh, engineering one of the new M6s in GTLM next year. So obviously from the driver's side, uh, Brian Sellers and others are looking for new lines of work. Many of them would love to stay with Derek. Uh, I don't think any of them want to leave because it is a wonderful team. But uh, there's a bit of a talent loss going on at the moment while nothing's been happening for Derek. I also heard something I need to 
uh, follow up with. I heard very recently that uh, apparently talks between Derek and World Challenge have maybe stalled or gone cold altogether about him. Management position there, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, What else? Uh, On the testing front, along with Mercedes, had heard that uh, GM was considering bringing one of their Cadillac ATS VR GT3 cars to Daytona. Uh, don't know if that's for that same November test. Not sure if that is going to happen. I've heard rumor that it might be going elsewhere in Florida to test. Uh, so I, I'm fairly confident the car will be testing at a classic, iconic endurance racing circuit. Just don't know if it will end up being the big group IMSA test at Daytona. Yeah. Uh, and have also heard one other final closing item on that, that uh, supplying Stevenson Motorsport with those Cadillac GT3s for GT Daytona next year will not happen. So, I uh, haven't written about that. Oh, really? I've I've heard from two fairly good sources, and you know that would be classified under the the thing that never was never officially stated to happen isn't happening. So, if it was never happening, is it not happening? Really, a happening? Yeah, we're not. Uh, we're not so, yes, good point. Yeah, good. Point. Not sure if that's a story to write about, but that's just another thing. Again, I I, I don't want to claim that to be a hundred percent accurate, but I've heard it from enough quality sources to believe that's the case. Uh, and by the way, that November test, we're working very hard at the moment, but the plan is that we will have some coverage from the November test. It won't be live. Uh, it will be in a similar vein to how we did the Raw before the 24 with uh, with Shane Jim last year. Uh, we'll have somebody out of that November test, uh, for which effectively is the first iWhisk test test yeah. uh, for for IMSA so we're going to try and get somebody down to Daytona uh, I know and you'll I, be there Marshall yeah I want to be there I'm hoping to be there I'm also realizing uh, it could be I could be jeopardizing my life if I go uh, simply because it runs November 17 18 I believe and uh, my 10 year wedding anniversary is on the 19th and the, oh. the thought of getting stuck or having a flight cancelled and not making it home back to California the night of the 18th Oh yeah, I may as well just stay. I I think just take I just think take your wife to uh, to Daytona and show her a good time on the beach, mate. That's you know, that's what what better place to go to celebrate your ten years? I'll gloss straight across that before I get clipped around the year oh, by my good missus. Lord, uh, let's move to IndyCar quickly for the last minute or so of the show. Congratulations to Team USA alumni and uh, Indy Lights champion Spencer Piggott, who's uh, got a drive for. Uh, for next season yeah he'll be doing uh, the indy 500 and a couple other races that's the prize package for winning the lights title fantastic young american talent driving for bobby rahal who has been the most dedicated and active indycar team owner when it comes to supporting young indycar talent if you look at danica he signed danica patrick straight out of atlantics uh buddy rice won the indy 500 with him ryan hunter ray's career had completely crumbled in champ car he was nowhere uh, and rahal signed him went went on to win and rekindled everything he's gone uh, he's had since so Great fit uh, for a young kid, champion already, uh, signing with the team with Graham Rahal, who had a fantastic year. Really excited, and you know, without overstating the obvious, this is how things are supposed to work, Hindy. You go, you do the work, you win the top, you, you win the top level of the uh, ladder, 
and you move upwards, and you move upwards with a good team. Only a couple races at this point, but they uh, they will be working with uh, Piggott to try and find more money to keep him in that second car for as much of the season as possible. Uh, another short but sweet dose of Marshall Pro from Racer.com. Thanks for joining us, MP. I know how busy you are uh, at the moment. People think that when there's no racing that we all sit around and play <laughs> FIFA. But uh, clearly, that's not the case. No, we Cheers, have big to fella. make the news. Thanks, brother. Yeah, make, yes, make the news. Thank you, Marshall. Marshall Pruitt, racer.com. That'll be worth looking at in the next couple of hours or so if you're listening live tonight. The conclusion of that uh, Ford test over there uh, at Sebring with uh, potentially some more news on uh, on drivers there. And that is just about it for tonight, unless Tim just has got anything else. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. I do like that jingle. I know. It's, uh, it is an improvement, unlike the uh, Spanish news in Spanish. I want to take you back in time. Oh, well, Again? Dun, 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 it's been a running money. theme tonight. Mm. Easy. We want to go way back. Way back in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to take you back to October the 5th. This that. year, What's this year, weeks? yes. It's so not that's, the tar- that's hardly st- even for my senile brain cells. That's hardly stretching us. Uh, there was a tweet from the Circuit of the Americas, yes. uh, right. who have been looking at their own TripAdvisor. Uh, are, are they are they a top ranked um, Grand Prix qualified level one circuit in Austin? <laughs> <laughs> they probably are, uh, but they had a review on October the fourth, which said. As a place to visit, in and of itself, there is absolutely no reason to go. Right, yes. During the Grand Prix, motocross, or some other event you enjoy, then for sure it's a nice venue. Yes. So, uh, Secretary of the Americas tweeted, Here's a hilarious one-star TripAdvisor review we got. Unless it's an event, there's no reason to go. Shocking. So, they've now come up with a reason to go when there's not an event on. Ah! Right, and Are that's they going the subject of the, this week's uh, pointless press release of the week. Okay, uh, because uh, the Circuit of the Americas is delighted to announce the arrival of the Senna Hall of Fame collection, a unique compilation of race-worn items used by Ayrton Senna himself and the cars he competed in. This never-before-seen collection will be on exhibit at Coda's downtown paddock. Where's the downtown paddock? Not at the racetrack. Is that actually in downtown? Yes. So that's not a choice point to go to the track. You're still, just going to Austin. Still. Still no point in going to the track. Right, OK. My favourite line of this press release is this one. The one-of-a-kind exhibit of Ayrton Senna memorabilia will showcase items from each era of the legendary driver's celebrated, almost mythical career. Almost, almost mythical. mythical. Almost mythical. In so the actually, sense that if it it's was... Not it's not at all mythical. mythical. It all yeah. happened. There was no myth about it. <laughs> so, do they mention any of these marvellous one-in-a-lifetime pieces of equipment that, 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 that make and a total cars? reason? Yeah. Oh, because absolutely, yeah. There was, because there was the um, the Lotus 98T was down in Adelaide. Um, Let me tell the, you what is included. For the um, historics the, a week or so ago. The Senna Hall of Fame collection includes race-used steering wheels from some of Senna's greatest F1 cars. Really? What about the re- hang on? What about the rest of the cars? Hang on, I can't afford, I, I can't I don't, afford that. Hang on, I don't just let want me, to see the wheel. Let me finish. All hang right. On. Rear wing end plates from every Formula One car driven by Senna. 
Okay, that's part of the car. I've still not got a whole car yet. Complete front and rear wing assemblies from his most famous F1 cars. Right. Some bodywork parts. Senna's okay. gloves from 1990. No, no, stop, stop, stop. We still haven't got to a full car. I get the impression they've been really, really busy on eBay for several months buying anything they can find that's vaguely Ayrton Senna-y. Senna's 1988 World Championship winning McLaren suit. Yeah. A signed 1990... I'm sure more than one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. A signed Williams F1 helmet. Right. Uh, not Senna's... actually a race-worn helmet, just a helmet. This said cars. Where's the cars? Senna's 1994 personal Williams driving boots. Personal Williams driving boots. Yeah. As opposed currently, to public ones. Currently, you could stick this all on the wall of one relatively small snug in a bar. <laughs> Jackets worn by Senna. <laughs> Jackets. <laughs> this is... This is when. Let's not forget that the whole pointless press release feature came about was was pretty much started by Quarter having three walls of their press centre. Oh no, we were doing that well before they we even just, thought of. This I, is are classic. You, are you Quarter. holding back some sort of? Yes, massive, he is. Had he they, be. for example, got his socks? Tell me that. This collection has been meticulously gathered over a period of twenty years. By, by who? By private collectors Howard Jacobs and Darren Jack. So. Today, it can, stands can I, as one of the world's largest collections of helmets, suits, of gloves. tat, of tat, of, of stuff that what no one else wanted to buy at the auction. They couldn't afford to buy anything decent, so they picked up the cheap bits. And they've got an end plate from every, every one, of, one cars. of these cars. I don't believe that for a second. No, because they've run more than one chassis in the year. Uh, yeah, yes. There's no cars, are there? They said cars. They said memorabilia and cars. And you said steering wheels, nose no, no. wings. They said there was a reason to go to the track. It's not at the track. Well, I, I, it's a room next to a bar with some stuff some blokes have collected and conned someone believing is a collection. Well, I've always said there's no such thing as art. The clever people are people who, who write who, the descriptions. Who are the two guys again? Uh... Darren Jack, who grew up yeah. in England and first yep. attended a uh, Formula 1 Grand Prix at Imola when he was just four years old, which coincided with Senna's first F1 season with Tolman. Oh, yeah, really handily, right, so yes. 84, right, okay, and right. uh, Howard Jacobs, right. I who think doesn't have a biography on who here. Is, spon- is this being sponsored by a Mrs. Jacobs, who wants <laughs> to get all this crap out of the garage? <laughs> <laughs> Silverstone have just announced a huge memorabilia collection of bits of tat from various sports car races around you know what's the world. Happened, don't you? Silverstone are trying to make up the money they've got. They've lost to the land. They've sold all the bits they got hanging around the back of the garage. Some gullible American have got no, it. No, 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 no. It's all Senna. Off you go. Eve's, uh, Eve's, and uh, and as the final part of the collection is London Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Which Senna drove over once in 1988. He did. And we had the very policeman's helmet who stopped him for speedy and That's asked him, right. is that who, who do you think you are? And he answered, oh, it's Senna. Senna. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, they've also got the original circuit at Silverstone where he did his first ever test. for. They Tom. had the very toys of Alan Prost throughout the pram at McLaren. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the pram. I, I, no, the pram's no, being no, used no. by... No, that was, that's far no, too good. the so, actual McLaren pram very good. is being used by Fernando this year yes. <laughs> for his toys. Yes. But they do have a rear-wing end plate format. Yes, that's right. They, they, do, have, they, they do have the pram handle. <laughs> uh, just, that is just rubbish. 
<laughs> for just $99, oh, uh, you can get a ticket uh, for this weekend's uh, Elton John concert at the Circuit of the Americas. Um, is that the real Elton? Is that the real Elton John singing, or is it just a collection of microphones and, and glasses and pianos? It's a wig from every one of his tours. Yes, it's a key from every one of his pianos that he's ever played. It's actually what it actually is. It's a collection of things that his partner David Furnish um, doesn't want in his garage. So, <laughs> it, it, yes, exactly. So it's a sequin from every single costume that, that Elton John. And on that note, it's t- it's time to call. Oh, yeah. A veil over this extra time, late edition of Back to the Future, to the past, uh, to uh. yesterday, the day after tomorrow, uh, two days after yesterday. Uh, it's all done. Uh, Chip Ganassi has been tweeting. I'm going to retweet that. He's t- he's tweeted the uh, a picture of the car in, in carbon fibre. Uh, I'm going to quickly retweet that. Uh, thank you very Fabian much. Fabian to... W on Twitter says, uh, do they have champagne bottles from Senna too? Oh, almost certainly. No, but no, no, because those are real ones, not practice ones. Ah, yes. Uh, good, good point. And Alfred Wallace says, <clears throat> when you're alone and life is makingly lonely, you can always, always go, go downtown. Uh, and that's Nick Damon singing for this week. Uh, that's very good. I went to school uh, with her son. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought, because she was um, obviously a bit of a French chanteuse as well, wasn't she? I didn't realise that her kids went to school in the UK. Mm. Uh, and that's all there is tonight. Thanks to uh, Marshall and to Graham, to Tim Gray, our executive producer up in London. Uh, Nick Damon was here. The menu tonight was my yum, yum. homemade chili. Uh, Barringly was... large amounts of chocolate. I need, I need to do a two-mile run to run it off. Well, not just for the chocolate, mate. There was a lot of other stuff in there that is good for <laughs> when you. When have you ever run two miles, Nick? I haven't. I've, I've been walking the dog quite a long distance recently. I, you remember, I walk. A lot. I did. I did nine, eleven miles on um, race day in Bruno. Uh, and the responsible adult was a fewer. But there's no time to explain because the llama is putting a collection together. <laughs> this program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.